pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. And we are, well, not bad. Yeah, we're back. We're back on a Tuesday. Yes, sir. We only took about a 12-hour break, and we're right back at it, right here where we were yesterday. Welcome in, everybody. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on a Tuesday. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. So I got it all out of my system. I'm over the ass whooping from over the weekend, Kev. Everything is good. I know you were worried. I know you were concerned. But, uh, yeah, everything is, is good. Even after last night? What, what happened last night? Uh, your Dallas Cowboys lost also. Nah. I don't claim them on this year. <laughs> like, on my fan taxes, I'm not going to claim the Dallas Cowboys. As mm. far as How many fumbles did Zeke have last night? First of all, I was one for the, on the record saying, don't pay Zeke. Mm. Even before the two fumbles last mm. night. But that dude has not been Zeke since he, since he put pen on paper. Zeke has not been Zeke. When they keep talking about, oh, feed him, feed him, feed him. That's all he's been doing is eating since signing that paper. When are people talking about Andy Dalton was Dak Prescott's equal? Did I say that? No, not you. You aren't that crazy. I, I mean, the numbers, I think it was Colin Cowherd who put like a, a side-by-side stat lined up at the two and like that, like they're identical as far as like the first four years of their career and they use four because that's what number Dak is in. Right. Like Dak's numbers are identical uh, to Andy Dalton's first four years. Um, and, and no, and look, and by the way, Andy Dalton is what it is. I mean, anyone who thought Andy was going to go in there and save the day, the problem is that Dak Prescott playing, I mean, he was the number one rated quarterback when, you know, the first however many weeks that he was healthy as far as total touchdowns, total yards, uh, pass efficiency, everything. That was Dak. Now, again, he wasn't getting credit for it because of how bad the Cowboys are all around and how, of course, a lot of those stats come when the offense starts slow and then he's getting those late in the second half. So it is what it is. But, uh, Dak, no, Andy Dalton's not the problem in Dallas. Um, yeah, it's not like in Cincinnati when everyone said, man, if he just had an offensive line to protect him, you know, he could make plays with his wide receivers. No, um, Dallas has a lot of holes. Yeah, man, that offensive line isn't what it was. No, it's definitely not. Injuries have, you know, obviously destroyed that team on both sides of the ball, but Dallas is bad. Uh, a lot to get into today. ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz, will, uh, he'll be joining us coming up in hour two, 430. We'll talk with him about your Buckeyes, about the Browns, about the Bengals, all the top headlines from the NFL Week 6 and getting you prepared for heading in to Week 7. We're going to talk about two attack of Iloa coming up here around the corner. I joked earlier today on Facebook, and you would have thought I made a Jesus joke in church. All I said was that, uh-oh, two attack of Iloa now being named the starter, that ain't good news for Joe Burrow, who who will now be the third-best rookie quarterback in the NFL here in 2020. 
Actually, I don't even know why I said it was a joke. That's actually how I believe it's going to end up turning out when it's all said and done. But that's a conversation for later coming up in the show. Let's talk a little college football. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time uh, talking NFL. We talked Browns. We talked Bengals. But I want to get into this college football discussion, too, because the AP Top 25 came out. And again, I know everybody says those polls don't matter. And every week, I hear the same thing. Those polls don't matter. But every week, someone has this very you know aggressive, hard take, hot take, uh, mad take, angry take on, can you believe what they did in the polls? Can you believe Georgia's still in the top four? Why do you care? Why are you mad? These polls don't matter, right? <laughs> but if you have an emotion, if you if you are emotional about it, if you're angry about it, that is why these polls continue to come out each week. Um, congratulations. After a huge week for the Ohio State Buckeyes in week seven of the college football season, the Buckeyes moved up an entire spot. They are now the number five team in the country. Congratulations, Ohio State. You worked your tail off this past Saturday. Whatever you did in practice really impressed. All right, really impressed. Uh, you know, the panel of sports writers and broadcasters that vote for that AP Top 25. So congratulations, guys. You worked hard to move up. Cincinnati, you must have struggled because you moved down. You know, I mean, there, there's no rhyme or reason for it. The, the, the Bearcats moved down. Um, Notre Dame puts up an embarrassing effort over the weekend that still results in a win. Congratulations. They move up a spot. The top four stays the same. Clemson, 54 first place votes. They, I mean, <laughs> 54 first place votes. They remain number one. Alabama, two. Notre Dame, three. Georgia comes in at number four despite losing. Um, and it's amazing to me because Alabama has the best win of the season so far. Mm-hmm. And they didn't jump over Clemson. I, I don't think Clemson's moving from that spot. Um, folks, I, I, you know, Ohio State beats Penn State. I don't care if it be, they beat them by 30 in week two. They're not like Clemson. That is their spot to lose. The only way Clemson gets bumped from that number one spot is if they lose, and I don't anticipate that happening, um, at least not till the end of the season if Notre Dame can give them some kind of run. But Notre Dame did not look good offensively over the weekend. Ooh, How much yeah. college football did you watch over the weekend? Uh, I didn't watch a ton. Uh, the only game I watched from beginning to the end were two games I watched. I watched the Bama-Georgia game, and I watched the Florida State-North Carolina game. I watched those two games, and I was uh, actually out and about with the wife. but So I was like really like kind of watching, score watching on my phone and everything like that. So I really didn't watch a ton. But uh, it's kind of like Keith Byer said on Monday, with the Big Ten officially kicking off on Friday, everybody's back. Well, everybody's back besides the Pac-12. And the Mac, but basically, and we all know Michigan's always back. So you know, <laughs> so a lot of the big dogs are back. So I think last week was like really the first weekend where it really felt like some college football was going on. You had a real big matchup at night with Bama and Georgia. Obviously, I was locked in on the Florida State game. They actually won a game to my surprise. Uh, so now we got the Buckeyes kicking off on Saturday at noon versus Nebraska. Like. The weather's changing. It's like really feeling like college football. And this is something that we all got to get used to, but I kind of like it. You know, there aren't any tune-up games. Like, the tune-up games are over with. You know, if you weren't watching college football before, like locked in hardcore, and you're really only like a Big Ten person, it's big-time matchups from the from the word go because they're conference games you know we could talk about how good ohio state is versus the big 10 as a, as a whole but you know the second week we're at penn state buckle up it's gonna be a good one 
I'm here for it. I'm here for it all. Penn State, of course, without their best player, Micah Parsons, and of course, they're they're not just without him. They're without their star running back. Yeah. Uh, he could potentially be out for the year, and even if not, he's definitely going to be out in week two against Ohio State coming up around the corner. Uh, you got you know Michigan and Minnesota kicking off the season coming up this Friday night. So you know the, you know it is what it is at this point. Uh, Ooh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. I mean, Minnesota and Fox, Michigan. You know, the ABC wasted no time in making sure um, that they <laughs> got a Big Ten a- game a- in there. Uh, Tyler Shirty says Ohio State's whole schedule is a tune-up uh, as far as that's concerned. <laughs> I agree. It, it's, I mean, Penn State. Like I think we're we're giving it the Penn State treatment because it's Penn State, but again, I still don't think they're in the same. You know, I, I don't think they're anywhere close to being as good as Ohio State. I don't think they're in that conversation. I um, think we can we can say that as fans, but I hope that's not the attitude that the players or the coaches staff have. I think I hope the coaches and the players have the mindset of let's go handle business and be that business mind attitude. I know as fans we can overlook teams left and right, but what happens when a team overlooks another opponent and loses? We get open in arms. So I hope that the players and the coaches are doing their due diligence and working on it from week to week. We can look at Nebraska and we can look at Adrian Martinez as not a good quarterback and all that type of stuff. Well, if he's not a good quarterback, show me. Do exactly what y'all did to him last time y'all played him. Make him, th- make him complete three passes and three of them was to our DBs. Yeah, and look, we do this every year. Every year we try to talk up the Big Ten. We try to talk up Wisconsin. By the way, they are good football teams. Wisconsin's a good football team. Penn State. Uh, I'm sure Nebraska is going to be improved. But let's be clear here, like uh, as we've talked about, no matter how much, no matter how good these teams are in the Big Ten, there's only one elite level team that has separated themselves, and that's Ohio State. And that's mm-hmm. why uh, when people get mad, when people kind of disrespect the Big Ten. You don't got to get defensive over facts, and the fact of the matter is that the Big Ten, even a very good Penn State team, the gap between them and Ohio State is so significant that it results to those blowouts. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because Ohio State gets penalized from a perception standpoint when they do their part. They carry their end of the bargain. They recruit. At such a high level, they win games and they just they blow out. I mean, they blow out their opponents no matter who they play in the Big Ten. And I don't care about the Iowa Purdue game; those are outliers. Those are you know upsets. Those are upsets for a reason. So when I talk about these games, it's like so. Even when Ohio State gets a top ten Penn State team or a top ten Wisconsin, like last year, we're watching the game and we're like all doing this, or at least I am. No, oh, that's not a top ten team. Like Wisconsin last year, when it was one or when it was two versus five or whatever it was, that's not a that's not a top five team. That's not a top ten team. They played Penn State, same thing. Just absolutely routed them. Oh, that's not a top five. That's not a top ten. Did team. they route Penn State last year? Yes, they routed everybody last year. They didn't have one close. The only close game they had last year was in the Big Ten championship game. At least they had a first. It was a close first half. They routed everybody last year. I thought the game was close. They didn't have one not, close game. I won't say like close, but like I thought the game was like maybe within four the, possessions and in, inside the fourth quarter. That's neither here nor there. I mean, the game it did have a fourth quarter. <laughs> to be fair, I okay, mean, it was it was a twenty-eight seventeen. That's not a route. That's a route. <laughs> That's a route. Are we really about to have this? That's a route. I mean, they really should have put out more points on Penn State. But Penn State's not good. Not as good as Ohio State. They're good. They're just not as good as Ohio State. So, but that's what we do. Eleven point win is a route. I'm telling you, Penn State's. I mean, let's be honest here. They they they're one of the biggest choking teams in the country. Every year we try to build up Penn State to say that they are this, you know, that they're the second powerhouse in the Big Ten. And every year they lose to Ohio State or they lose a game that yeah, they should. Yeah, I, I, I remember this game. Yeah, because it was 21-17 going to the fourth quarter. 
It's not but a it, it did not feel like that though. Like it no point. Not feel like no that, point. But that's the score. At that's no the score. point did you feel that Ohio State was losing that game. Penn State is not a threat. No one's a threat in the Big Ten this year. Nobody. <laughs> not even close. I just want to be clear. Eleven point victory is a route. Penn State's not good. I didn't know. I just want to be clear. That's 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 in the Kinder world. An eleven point victory is a route. Well, it's a close game for an Ohio State game. Then fine. <laughs> but double-digit wins a double-digit win. And you're up by four going into the fourth quarter, and the game's not... I don't care about yet. the how close... I mean, it was 0-0 when the game started. Man, it was close at the beginning. It was 0-0 when they, when they had kickoff. But I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Like, no one, no one's going to come close to beating Ohio State. Shorty says, yes, in the same world that Kenner thinks Baker is good. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like, I don't, I'll never live this Baker thing down, man. Like, you, you're de- definitely never not, going de- not to. off that performance from Sunday. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. You better hope he does what he does against the Bengals, man. Well, we'll see what Tanhill does this week against Pittsburgh. I can't wait. It's going to be a double-edged sword for me because <laughs> I hate both teams. But uh, I think I'm going for the Steelers more just so Shorty will shut up. That, that's basically what it is. You hear that, Shorty? I'm going for the Steelers this weekend just uh, to shut you up. Kiss of death. Kiss of death. Kenner kiss of death. So that means the Titans are winning. Yeah, you better put your money on the Titans. Which is a win-win for me, as far as that's <laughs> concerned. Uh, but no, it, it's going to be, like, by the way, in, in Clemson. So the one thing I'm curious about, too, like, we know Clemson, we know Alabama, we know Ohio State are going to rack up those one, two, and three in the playoff. I'm still curious who's going to be kind of sniffing around for that fourth spot. I think it's going to be a, it's gonna be a jumbled, I don't want to say mess. There are going to be a lot of teams in that conversation. They are going to be a lot of teams in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Don Roberts says, then, then why play? Maybe they should go to another conference, LOL. Dude, like, come on. Like, we, as much as we rip Clemson and the ACC, we don't have that same attitude about them. We, di- we disrespect Clemson's success, and we try to write it off and say, well, they don't play anybody. Well, the Big Ten's better. Well, your argument can't be that our bad teams are better than their bad teams. That's not an argument. Like, so... You can't help who you play, and I'm not blaming Ohio State. This isn't a me beating up on Ohio State thing. The, the reality is Ohio State cannot help who they play in the Big Ten. They can't help that they play Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois. They can't help that that's their whole November. They mm-hmm. had basically a month and a half off. They'll have a game against Penn, or Nebraska this weekend. They'll have a real game against Penn State in week two, and then they're having another bye month. All right? They're having a bye month again because, I mean, that that's bad. In Michigan, the only reason that that game at least has some life to it is because it's the rivalry game. Otherwise, that game doesn't worry me either um, based on especially recent history as far as that's concerned. No so. Nico Collins for Michigan either. Yeah, like how many uh, how many of their main guys have you heard being uh there? Nico Collins the rock receiver uh he stayed opted out um the the, the offensive lineman opted back in the guy uh yeah, I saw that. Uh, so Taylor, that's good. Taylor I believe his name is he's like projected to be like a top 15 pick in the NFL um Tariq Black transferred to Texas so I'm really not sure who their uh weapons on the outside are the wide receivers I mean you know Nico Collins is pretty good, um, but he's not playing this year for Michigan. Tariq Black's down in Texas, so I'm not sure who to who to go to guys for them are this year. So you have again Clemson, Bama, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, one, two, and three. You know you're going to have your typical Georgia's battling it out for number four. Um, some want to argue Penn State, but the reason I can't say Penn State is because. They're going to get blown out by Ohio State most likely in week two. And if they get blown out, that's not good about for the Big points. Ten. It's good for – shut up. Maybe 12. <laughs> they, might, they might run the score up and put an old 12-burger on them. You never know. Uh, or it might be really close, like 10 or something. So, But, no, in all seriousness, it's like – and by the way, if Penn State loses like that, it's going to be a lot more respected than one of those routes. 
that Wisconsin game last year was the main one that I was like, yeah, that, that hurts the Big Ten, that hurts Ohio State, that hurts a lot because they're not going to get the respect for that win. Ohio State ran the table. That's all you, know, that's all you mm-hmm. can do. But if you ever slip up along the way, and we do got to really dig deep into your resume to compare, as long as you run the table, all of this doesn't Absolutely. matter. Like, that's my big thing about all this. But if it does come down to a game gets canceled or Ohio State stubs their toe along the way, that's when the Big Ten not being that strong really does come to play here. Because now it doesn't matter if you want to sit there and crap all over the ACC. Ohio State's probably not going to be battling it out with one loss with the Clemson team. They're going to be battling it out with the one loss Georgia. They'll be battling it out uh, maybe with an undefeated Notre Dame or something. So, mm-hmm. Or promise, um, not one loss, too. My point is you got to really start looking at the teams that they could potentially be battling it out with for that fourth spot if it comes down to it, if they pick up a loss. So that's all. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Florida's out of the conversation. I don't think I heard Florida's Cincinnati. I heard Cincinnati this morning. Paul Feinbaum uh, on Get Up and, and, and even on, on Keyshawn's show this morning. I heard a lot of Cincinnati that Cincinnati, as long as they're undefeated and, and right there at the top, they're going to get a lot of love because these teams jumbled up in the middle in the top ten just on the outside looking in. They're not bad teams, but they're not great teams. Right. There's only three elite teams this year, and that's Ohio, and that's usually the case most years. Yes. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Uh, then you'll get those, you know, those surge years from LSU like we saw last year with Joe Burrow where you had 14 NFL players and everything. It was the perfect storm. Um, but those teams are cyclical. Like mm-hmm. they get one good run out of a one good recruiting class and it like every, you know, and Keith Byers talks about that in the Big Ten. You usually get that with Michigan State. You'll get one or two good solid years out of one class and then they lose a good bunch of guys and then they have to reset. Right. It's cyclical uh, as far as that goes. But there's only a few teams that know how to just keep it going regardless. Doesn't matter how many pieces you lose. We saw Ohio State do it from 2015 to 2016. We saw Clemson do it after losing Deshaun Watson. Obviously it wasn't a complete handoff right to Trevor Lawrence, but Clemson really didn't take a big step backwards. I mean, they just kept on rolling. Alabama, I mean, I I saw someone tweet yesterday, does it almost hurt the fact that Alabama's offense has taken zero hits since moving on from Tua Tagovailoa? Their numbers have not dipped at all. Um, Is that a shot against Tua? Is he a, you know, is he a, you know, what's that called? Uh, a system guy, which, by the way, I hate that phrase, a system quarterback. Everyone's a system quarterback. Everyone is executing their system to some degree. What uh, do you like, Kenner? <laughs> anything that's not stupid. Like, you've got to agree with me on that. Like, a system quarterback, what does that even mean? Because uh, Justin Fields plays in a system. Every, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati plays in a, ba- a system. Uh, LSU played in a system. Everyone has a system. So I, I don't like that phrase. Don't like system. Don't like game manager. No one likes game manager. No one says, I can't wait for my team to get a game manager. I'm just saying, you've got a lot of don't likes out here, man. A lot of people don't like this. No one says, I can't wait to get our, our you know, system quarterback or our game manager quarterback. Hey, man, a lot of system quarterbacks at Alabama hoisted that trophy at the end of the oh, season. Oh, that's fine. I don't care about that. I mean, in the pros, though. Because two is going to get, we're going to talk about two in a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, is he a system quarterback, whatever the hell that means? Or is he the real deal? Like, I mean, that, but shoot. that's the thing. We talk about that all the time. I mean, the the system is Alabama. I mean, you look at Tua, Ruggs, Judy. Now they got Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and I'm forgetting the other kids. That Waddle. So it's like, hey, those three moved on. Here's three new ones. Like it's the Bama way, man. It's a uh, it's. It's basically what you said about Ohio State, Clemson, and Bama. It's it's the system is we're an elite program, and we get the best talent, and we coach up the best talent, and we plug them in, and they do their thing. Like, that's the system. The system is having a great program. 
457-9464. Let's go to Facebook. Again, listen, stream, watch. We are live on 1410 Wing AM, streaming live at wingam.com, and live on ESPN Dayton's Facebook page, as well as the Justin Kinder Show Facebook page. Go search those, like those, follow along live. Chris Miller says, correction, OSU is number five in the AP guy. Well, guy. Let's be clear. Guy, sir, boy. All right, let's be clear here. All right. I didn't say that they were not number five. I'm talking college football playoff that when we get to the point where we're talking teams one, two, and three, it's most likely going to be Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama as far as the college football playoff is concerned, guy. So there. Are you sure today's Tuesday? This feels real Monday-esque. Why? I was in a great <laughs> mood yesterday, all things considering. <laughs> you are on one, dog. Who, who was that that you're calling guy, by the way? His name is Chris Miller. So, Chris, how you doing, Chris? And I'm sure he's a nice guy. Thanks for listening, But he called me guy. And I, I know there's a lot of sarcasm behind that. I, I, I guy. Like, you know, there's, oh, come on, guy. Like, you could be better than that guy. So there's that guy. Anyways. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, Chris Miller, the same guy we were just talking about, says the last OSU quarterback that did anything was Mike Tomzak. Um, I'm assuming he's talking, you know, in the NFL, but there you go. Uh, do, 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 do. Don Roberts says, did not play a whole season either, only 10 games, I think. I think I have to go back to a previous comment for him to get what he's saying. Don Roberts, there we go. Buckeye quarterbacks are system QB. Name one Buckeye quarterback uh, that has started a full season in the NFL. But see, like, that's the thing. I, I don't care about that. Like, Tim Tebow still to me is one of the best all-time college football quarterbacks yes. ever. And But I do believe when he went to the NFL and became kind of a, a punchline you know, I think it devalued what he accomplished in college. And the same thing for Mark Sanchez at USC. Like, I still think, like, people, when I see him, I always look at him, I'm like, oh, man, people, like, people mock him all the time. Mm -hmm. like, he, was a, he was a great college football quarterback. Yeah. Vince Young, the same thing. He yeah. was a great, so I hate when we do that. We're like, and again, it's always big picture with these guys. You know, like, you when you have a great college career, you're expected to go on to the pros. Like Baker Mayfield. He'll never have respect for what he did in college because he's become such a big joke in the NFL now. And that's a lot self-inflicted on his part. He was very cocky, very mouthy. What made him great is also kind of is what's destroying him a little bit because he's not getting that, well, he's only in his third year and like he's not getting the benefit of the doubt because he was so unlikable outside of Brown's country coming into the NFL um, as far as that's I like concerned. Baker. So, I um, like Baker and I'm a Steelers fan. I like Baker when he... I, I'm I mean, sure I you love Baker. I'm sure you <laughs> love Baker. I wish you could play Baker 16 times this season. <laughs> I, didn't, if you could. I was in open arms when he planted the flag at the shoe. Did I like it? No, of course not. But you know my whole model. If you don't want somebody celebrating on your field, beat him. So there's that. Well, I will say this. The last Ohio State quarterback that did anything in the NFL, it wasn't Dwayne Haskins. Mm. I know that much. I don't know how much of that, too, was obviously the system. <laughs> Washington that he ends up in, too, didn't do him uh, any favors as far uh, as that concern. All right, folks, we'll step away for a few minutes. For five, but, yes, uh, Chris Miller, to go back to you. Uh, I, no, I know that they're, they are number five in the AP. I was joking earlier about how they had such a big weekend that they moved up in the AP polls. They, they must have really dominated in practice on week five. But we were talking about the college football playoff. We know which three teams are going to be there when it's all said and done. But I was asking who was going to be fighting it out for that, that fifth uh, that fourth spot uh, in the college football playoff. So, there you go, guy. We're good. We're on the same page now. <laughs> Chris, thanks for uh, commenting, man. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, David Shaw says, you can be great in college and not have a good NFL career. I agree completely, but I do believe that the, the last... I mean, we are all one of those where... What's the last thing you remember about somebody? Mm -hmm. That's why Tim Tebow is more remembered for... He was kind of a, an enigma in college and in the pros, right? Like yeah, it was look at Johnny Manziel.
Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Shout out to Chris Miller. Thank you for tuning in and commenting, man. Just appreciate that. Just so we're clear. I'm a little testy today. Yeah. This coffee has me all fired up, so you know. Switch to unlet it, man. Un- hold up. <laughs> I'm t- so we did open up talking a little college football. We'll get back into some of that coming up on the corner. Now, one thing I did post at the, the little about uh, for today's show. The Buckeye games are going to look different, but they're going to sound different. I have a problem with this part right here. Now, everyone, like, this is where this is going to get really, like, dicey because every conference has their own set of rules. Like, if they, like, we know, we've known that. Like, that's what really what led to this all being such a big deal anyways is because everyone was basically acting and making decisions, not remotely, but independently. Every mm-hmm. conference was acting and working independently. There was no, like, we talk like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were working together, but I think that those two realized that those, those two conferences realized that they were kind of being left out in the cold while everyone else went and formed their own pact of how they were going to do things. Although those conferences like the Big 12, the SEC, ACC, didn't work together in regards to, like, the internal stuff of how they were going to handle the virus and handle playing during a pandemic, they all at least went in a pact and decided we're going to play. Right. And Ohio State and the Pac-12 thought that they were the smartest guy in the room and that they were going to move forward and that everyone was going to follow because I think the Big Ten felt very good about themselves whenever they were the first to announce that they were going to go to conference only. Everyone scoffed at that, mocked that, but it wasn't too much longer after that that the Big 12 and the SEC and ACC basically adopted a similar approach. Now, you know, they, they knocked out what was their original schedule altogether, and then they did like an SEC plus one, ACC plus one, Big 12 plus one, that type of thing. Ever since that day, Ohio State got, or the Big Ten got a lot of credit for being the conference that decided to go conference only. They looked like they were the conference that was going to be the leader in, of the movement into playing during a pandemic. And flip now you fast forward all this way you, and flip the script and the Big Ten whether you think it's right or wrong, they just look foolish for how they handled it, even though they may not be foolish, but they look foolish from the standpoint of Look at the, you know, they were t- acting as if you could not play during a pandemic, but here we are a month and a half into the season and they're late to the party. Whether you agree with their stance or not, it does look, it's not a good look and we knew it wasn't going to be a good look from a, pers- you know, from a perception standpoint. It, I don't care about people's opinion about the virus anymore. Uh, what I mean by that is, is I think sometimes we get away from the topic at hand because we start arguing about, well, the virus is serious. No, it's right. not. It's just a hoax. Regardless, the virus has had an impact on the decision-making moving forward. And yes, I agree with the conferences that say that there's enough data and information to support being able to play safely during this. And ultimately, that is what has led to everyone playing, although it doesn't look the same and different. You look at the SEC, some stands, you know, they're talking about 20, 30, 40% capacity. And I'm sorry, but those don't look like 40% capacity. I mean, that looks... 80, 90 at times. Like, you know, and it doesn't, it, it is what it is. It doesn't bother me, but it is going to bother me come Saturday when we watch Ohio State kick off against Nebraska at the shoe. And I think they're letting like family in. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, even if every player has five family members there, we're talking like maybe. A thousand, two thousand. That's it's not. It's not going to make up for the sound differential of what you would hear, even watching a game on television or listening on the radio. One hundred ten thousand versus two thousand. I'm sorry, it's going to sound like you could hear a pin drop in that in the shoe. But the fans don't really bother me not being there as much as the bands not being there. Hmm. They're not letting Brutus be there. They're not letting the band be there. And let's be clear, as much as I enjoy the the atmosphere at Buckeye games, and it is the fans, the fans always bring the atmosphere to every game. But to me, 
honestly, Kev, it is the band. The band is what separates Ohio State from everyone else. Like, they're a show in itself. Um, and so I do have a problem with fans not being allowed to be in the stands, but I think we were all able to kind of cope with that and, and adjust to that to be okay with it. Now it's different, though. They don't even have the band in the stands there. There won't, e- they, there won't even be that approach to it. Um, I've talked about that in high school sports when – uh, the football season had started, which, by the way, it's hard to believe that we're already in, heading into week three of the OHSA state football playoffs. Uh, but to me, it's just crazy because at that time, I'm like, well, it sucks that there's not going to be as many fans there. But as long as the band is there to provide that atmosphere for the kids, that's all that matters. Ohio State's not even going to have that. No no fans in the stands is not going to be the weirdest part about this Saturday. It's going to be not hearing the band between plays. Like I don't think you realize just how much the band takes care of the, the mm. viewership experience between plays. There's a lot of downtime, a dead time in football. That I don't even think people Especially crash. Ohio State games in yep. the second half. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, one of the biggest things about college football versus the NFL is the college experience. Is The fan base is different from... The professional game and one of those biggest differences is the college band you know every school has a band you know they do their own thing and every school has their unique tradition that they do you know ohio state with the best damn band in the land with dot and the o uh shoot they got freaking uh bevo down there in texas they got uh what's the uh ralphie out there in colorado they got a dang on bull running on the field like all these type of things that happen only on college football campuses that don't happen in the NFL and that's kind of like what I love about college football and the fan base and, and just everything about it you know the atmosphere is totally different from the NFL um but just like you said man COVID we just gotta adjust we just gotta deal with it and if this means no fans no band we get to see the Buckeyes play I'll take it yeah, but the thing is, like, to say that the only way we could watch Ohio State is if the band's not there. Like, they could adjust the decision-making on this. I mean, look around college football. Like, I'm not a fan of this decision-making to be, I mean, to sit there and just say, well, you're lucky we even have football. Not you, but, like, that's the big ten. Well, you're lucky we even have football. Don't push it with asking for fans. Don't push it with asking for, why? What is wrong with uh, making, with changing decisions throughout? And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about fans in the stands. I'm just talking about little things like this. No cheerleaders, no band, no mascots. Like, that stuff to me, like, just like playing, there are plenty of ways that you can adjust to allow the band in the stands. You you know, why can why can we find out a way to get all these players out on the field and on the sidelines to play football, but there's just no way we could figure out how to get the band on the sideline in an empty stadium? That's the problem I have with all of this. I got an issue with that because we find out COVID numbers from teams, like everything, you know, we kind of chuckled at the situation that's going on at Florida with Dan Mullen talking about he wants 95,000 fans in the stands on Saturday and then on Tuesday 19 players got COVID then he has COVID so I think that's one of the things we don't know how many people end up catching COVID by going to these games we'll never find that number out we don't know exactly how many people are going to the games having a good time high-fiving doing what they do in a football game and then you know a couple days later they come down with COVID. I think they're being responsible in that situation by minimizing the exposure of not only the players but fan to fan because you're at Ohio State game you mean to tell me somebody breaks off an 80 yard touchdown run you're not about to be jumping up or down high-fiving hugging people you've never seen a day in your life. I know I do it every time I go to a Ohio State football game. It is one of the few times where I actually interact with people that I don't know. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not a big person that goes around just, hey, how you doing? Just shaking hands to people I don't know. But when it's the Buckeyes, we're winning. We're having a great time. Hey, let's party. Let's have a good time. Like, hey, where are you guys going after the game? We go going up to B-Dubs. Beer's on me when we get there. Like, that atmosphere brings that out in people. So I think minimizing the amount of people in the stadium right now is the best thing to do. And I don't think we can necessarily down the Big Ten until after the season. Like, if if the season goes on without a hitch, say, say the Big Ten season goes on without a hitch, and for argument's sake, there's no positive tests from any Big Ten team. Can we say the Big Ten's way was right and the other conferences' way was wrong? No. They were just lucky? Because I don't think we could sit there and say that the amount of positive tests is what's successful or not successful. To me, it's can you find a way to allow there to be events during the pandemic with social distancing protocols put in place, which is what everyone's doing. The Big Ten is watching other conferences find ways to letting it happen, and they're just choosing not to do it. They're choosing... Because they're already upset and angry that they were kind of bullied into letting there be a season to begin with. I mean, I think there's pride and egos that were impacted For by sure. that. Um, and I, I think that that's what it's coming to. I don't think that the decision not to have a band and, and, and Brutus and, and cheerleaders and fans... Like, I'm not asking for 110,000 fans in the shoe, but, I mean, I have a hard time believing that like, while you're watching other conferences around the country have fans in the stands all over, there was ways... I mean, here every Friday, I'm going to high school football games. They're not. They're packed... Amongst for COVID standards, they're packed for COVID standards, and you know people they make their own decisions. They know what they're getting themselves into if they go out. It's up to the school to put social distancing protocols in place. And if people choose to go out, like it's not like everyone that goes to a Texas A&M game or a Florida game or an Alabama game, they're not being told you will not get COVID because we hey we put some tape on the stands here (laughs) and we created some space. No one is being told they're not going to get it. They're just being told here's what we're doing to help prevent you from getting it and nothing is 100 percent uh, bulletproof here and the thing is people are going to get it to your point they won't get it at the shoe because they won't be going to the games there but i don't know um that still doesn't make sense from a business standpoint to where other businesses are finding a way to get it done walmart gets it done local businesses here get it done that's the station get it done everyone's finding a way to allow things to go on in this world during this pandemic but the big 10 is choosing to be difficult um even although i understand the reasons for it i still just think it's it's, it's very stubborn on their part and by the way Let's say something crazy happens and an outbreak happens with, at an SCC school. I don't think it's because they were negligent or anything. It's, it's, that's the risk of playing during a pandemic, as far as I'm concerned with that. So there's that. Uh, four five seven nine four uh, six four. David Shaw says that's BS. The band... The bands play every week regardless of win or draw. I'm not sure at what point that was in reference to. But, I mean, yes, the band plays every week. But they're not playing every week this week. They're not They're not <laughs> playing at the shoe um, this week as far as that goes. Schrody says, uh, when is Kenner going to start advocating for Florida to start forfeiting games like he oh. did for the Titans? Is there a report out there that I'm not aware of of Florida violating protocols that led to the, now, that led to the outbreak? Not that I heard. Okay. So, Schrody, these aren't the same things. In fact, I do, I do have in front of me right here that the Tennessee Titans face uh, potential fines as NFL concludes the COVID-19 review due to negligence on the team's behalf of not communicating properly. Uh, and by the way, I love when people try to defend the players and say, well, you know, the players went in practice because it wasn't communicated to them properly. Well, even if the players went on and did it because they weren't communicated with properly, keep in mind that is still a violation on the Titans' part. If the Titans didn't communicate properly, Properly, which led to them going out and breaking protocol, that's still the Titans violating protocol. 
You know what I mean? Like, so the mistake may not have happened with the players, but the mistake happens up top. The Titans should still be punished for it as far as that goes. Bottom line, Trody, why are you still doing this? I told you your Titans are good. Hell, I got a surprise for you when we get to our top five, bottom five coming up here around the corner. <laughs> Don't ruin it. Don't make me change it mid-show. Come on now. Let's go to Charlie, 457-9464. Charlie, what's up, man? You know what I love about the college rankings? Um, they're not that you don't have to play to move up in the rankings? I think that's pretty cool. It's, it, it just, it's finally, it's like, let's just not even make it like, there's no argument now. It's like, just go ahead and just put them in. It's like, we need two SEC schools. We need Clemson and Ohio State. Yeah, they got to play some games, whatever. But, I mean, it's like, don't, don't let Ohio State climb up. Like, oh, they, were, they weren't ranked. And now, oh, they're 24. Uh-oh. You know, it's like... Nah, so it's each week, five. it's like, they're. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. And they slowly yeah. build up to the top five. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, no, nah, just put them at five. And, you know, because Notre Dame does have a lot of fans. But, I mean, I watched, like, I don't know, two seconds of that game. That was... They're not good. Notre Dame is not good. Um now, I mean, based on, like, just that, the two seconds that you said you watched, like, because keep in mind, like, because here's the deal, like, if Ohio State doesn't look that explosive on Saturday, are we going to do, are we going to say the same thing, oh, man, they're just not good? Or are we going to say, well, well, to be fair, the Notre Dame's had quite a few weeks to play, so I guess it's not the same comparison. I would say now. that. I, look, if, if Ohio State looks like Notre Dame just did against Louisville, who's not ranked, uh, and, it's, I mean, how are you not ranked? There's, like, 25 teams playing. But, um... <laughs> If Ohio State comes out against Notre Dame like that, I'd be like, oh, that's not good. Because, I mean, they should smash or they should smash Nebraska. But, uh, so, I, let's, get to some, let's get to some big stuff real quick. Oh, big stuff. Nice. Let me, let me tug at your heartstrings because you love tugging on mine. Because now you're saying when Tua starts that uh, Joe's going to be the third best rookie. Ah, you do the real about, big stuff. I see what hey, you're doing here. Okay. You're all about rookie years because that's all you got to talk about when it comes to Baker Mayfield. That was Baker's best year, man. I'm still in love with rookie Baker. Not he so much didn't since. He win as many games as Jeff Blake did in one season yet. Mm. To this day. Moonball Jeff Blake. Moon Hey, Jeff Blake won at least eight games. Oh, and 16 without Baker. They get Baker, they, you know, totally different looking team. I see your, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, okay, so why, it's a big deal to me and you. I don't know why it's not a big deal yet, because last week with the Browns and Steelers, they were like, this is a make or break game. But if you go to Cincinnati, oh. and I don't even think it's far-fetched, because I've watched every Bengals game. We've been competitive except for that Baltimore game. And we shut Lamar Jackson completely down in that game, by the way. Yeah, you guys were defensive but, uh, beasts. But, uh, so what is the status of Baker Mayfield in the Brown season if you lose? Oh, it's definitely not good, but they're not losing. They're not losing to the Bengals. Now I know this sounds like a repeat from last week, but I mean I'm like very, I'm very, very confident. Like last week, I I put my confident cape on. I don't need to put my confidence cape on right now. I'm very confident. Three forty six on a Tuesday. Three forty six on yes. Got it. You but, could easily lose this Sunday. You barely beat us the last time. Well, have you heard, have you heard the saying that well anyone could beat anybody? I mean, I mean, if that's the little I think I can train yeah. you know story you guys need but, to feel good, then go ahead. Okay, but what I'm saying is, yes, any team can win any Sunday, but the Browns are in games that they, I mean, this is like, 
you, this is your year. This is, I mean, what happens to Baker if, if he gets embarrassed by Cincinnati? You know, what if Jesse Bates picks him off five times? You know? What's on known it, Charlie? I mean, I, I, we dropped three interceptions against Lamar Jackson, and I, I mean, he looked lousy. And I, I mean, man, you got typical Bengals fan here. We almost won. We almost had interceptions. I mean, you guys are the best, man. You guys are. I'm not saying. I'm not saying we almost. You almost had me changing my mind on this conversation. No, I'm just saying, do not sleep on the Bengals when it comes to passing. When when you guys start trying to throw the ball. Man, it's now listen. Do you want to know why I'm confident about the because the Bengals were so bad uh, at stopping the run that the Browns didn't have to worry about passing the ball against the Bengals. So that's I mean that's the thing. It's a different game. It's a completely different game. We played. We did a turnaround game. What was that? Four days after Joe Burrow's first game, he had to go to Cleveland and he was right there at the very end with five points. So So to sum up, they almost won. Is that what you're saying? Okay, you know what? You've won four games. You've yes, we did. That's games. that's. <laughs> and and the only person that should be able to talk any trash is sitting right next to you because his team's killing everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, you, what, what's that, Kev? Were you almost going to say something? <laughs> no, I'm chilling, man. That's oh, okay. between y'all two. He doesn't have to say anything. His team crushes people. But uh. I just want to know for real what what do you think happens to Baker at least for the rest of the year if he throws two picks and you guys lose this Sunday? I mean, what happens if he throws five picks? What if he throws six picks? I mean, I don't what know. You tell I, I don't know. Look, I mean, we could be having that conversation about any game. He just threw two picks and looked horrible against the Steelers, and Kevin Stefanski comes out. He's a glutton for punishment. And says Baker, if healthy, is the starter moving forward. So there you go. All right. All right. Now, well, now, good luck. And uh, yeah. We'll talk hey, soon. I don't, I don't need luck. I got Joe Burrow, baby. Who does? <laughs> the third best rookie quarterback in the NFL right now. Take care, Charlie. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. The, the Bengals fans are the key. They're man. They they drive the. We almost won. We almost caught those interceptions. If Joe Burrow, I mean, if you know those injuries don't happen, you know he almost has an offensive line that could protect. I mean, almost. Come on. Almost. Rank, rank the quarterbacks in the AFC North. Oh, man, I would, but, you know, we got to get to break. And, and we, we almost we almost missed our break, and we got to get to break. So we'll be back in a little bit. I still have no clue what this song even is. I know what it I'm is. I literally got So, like, it's an actual, like, I got it from the, the music. Uh, I bed. told you what it was. But, like, we actually have, like, songs like that, like, in the music bed. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you, man. I have never heard Because this. I've had, like, three or four people literally message the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook, like, privately asking, yo, what's that song they want to download it? Like, so whoever <laughs> it is, like, we are, they're all, and they literally call it the stripper song. It is. That's why they want it. They got plans for the weekend. Well, if you want to listen to it, <laughs> I know where you can go. There you go. Bring some ones with you. Or some $5 Frickers bucks. You know, do what you got to do. Make it rain. All right. Uh, Ron Howard says, I haven't heard Go Browns in a couple of days. What's up with that? Go Browns. Browns are fine. They're 4-2. They're just fine. We went through the schedule yesterday. There's still 11 to 12 wins on this on this, on this this uh, season still. I, the Browns are fine. The Browns are winning the Super Bowl. They're not probably getting a win in the playoffs. Whether they're getting their 12 to 11 to 12 damn wins, they'll be fine. Everything is fine. What I if I tried told myself to sleep last night saying it's fine? It's fine. It's what fine. if I told you 
the Browns fans are overreacting to the loss. What if I told you I felt that way? What do you mean they're overreacting? I feel like they're overreacting to this loss. They got blew out. Okay. Everyone gets blown out. Everybody gets blown we out, We just man. watched the Packers get blown out yeah. this past weekend against a really good team. Yeah. That's I, why I, 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 to be honest, that's how I feel. Like Everybody gets blown out. Like, okay, move on to the next game. You got another game. See, this is a problem for the Browns, though, mainly because they've only played two elite teams this year. And the score was pretty much identical. Yeah, it was like, uh, I think they, I saw the combined score was 75 to 15. Well, that was not necessary, but yeah, I think something like that. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, now all of a sudden Steelers saying, hey, I was just throwing up numbers left and right. It's like, look out, the Reds might hire you for their, you know, analytical department, Mr. Numbers over here. Holy smokes. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Who we got on hold, Kev? We got Jack. Let's go to yeah. Jack. What's up, Jack? So, that would be, they're going to be getting Oh, who's getting busy, Jack? Jack, you there? Oh, hey, this is Jack. How you doing? I'm good, Jack. What you got for us? Hey, you know, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that last single uh, uh, caller. Now, basically, our defense. Everybody's complaining about Baker, but if you look back at our the, the games we've won, our defense have set up. Our offense and our and Ben had all day. Just he wasn't pressured at all. Uh, oh, absolutely! And by the way, Ben and look, Miles Garrett did get to Ben on a few occasions. But you're right, Big Ben was comfortable in that pocket, which is the Browns' defense. I don't think is that good, but I do believe they're very good up front. I did expect more pressure on Big Ben, but that offensive line for them is good. Even their backups are good. Um, so that's the problem. And to your point. The Browns were very good at forcing turnovers and taking those turnovers and turning them into points at the other end. They didn't force any turnovers, and that's one reason, too, that they just looked even more defeated this past weekend. They couldn't get anything going on either side of the ball. And another thing that people don't realize, there's dissension on the Bengal defensive team. I don't know if you read the paper today, mm-hmm. but there's quite a bit of dissension um, on their team and, and, and I tell people that I, I'm rooting for the Bengals 14 games out of the year, but they're not going to win on next next week. It's just because we got more talent across the board than the Bengals right now. That's a given. That's a given, yes. And what you're alluding to, of course, is, you know, you have Atkins and Dunlap, two guys that just got paid, you know, handsomely over the last couple of years uh, by the Bengals, and they're being used less and less each week. They are not fans of their usage from Zach Taylor and this coaching staff, and it's leading to a lot of behind-the-scenes issues there. You even have John Ross, who, like, more power to him, but he's our, him and his agent have already gone to the Bengals front office demanding a trade. You're right. There is a lot of mess going on behind the scenes. You're starting to see some things crumble a little bit outside of just the record. Yeah, hey, it's nice talking to you, and like I said, uh, uh, this is BB Week. B- and I just, BB Week, it could be Browns, Bengals, Bengals, Browns. This is BB Week. <laughs> Creative, Jack. Jack, good stuff, man. I appreciate you calling. Take care. Thank you. All right, there you have it. That was Jack, and he wanted to let you know that it's BB Week. Indeed. All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment because speaking of BB, we'll talk about one of those Bs, the Bengals. Uh, I, I put this out on my Facebook page earlier, and I, pretty, I figured it was going to irritate some people, and I don't really care. Uh, remember two weeks ago we had a conversation about Justin Herbert, and I said I, I like Justin Herbert more than Joe Burrow. 
I didn't just come up with that opinion today to stir the pot, as I was accused of saying. I believe that Justin Herbert looks better than Joe Burrow, but not by much. And there's nothing wrong with Joe Burrow. I just like you know what I mean. Like when you say that right away, people take it as an insult to the other person. For me, the Justin Kinner opinion is I like Justin Herbert more. Now a year ago, I've been adamant that Tua Tagovailoa was going to be the best quarterback in this draft class, and I still think that. Tua Tagovailoa was named the starter for the Dolphins moving forward. That was made official earlier this afternoon. So I said, well, now Joe Burrow is officially going to be the third best rookie quarterback in the National Football League. Bengals fans don't like that. Kevin's eyes don't like it either. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, we'll definitely see. But we'll, we'll talk about it after the break. Now, that's a tease. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. Live here on ESPN Dayton. That's with you here on a Tuesday. ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. He will join us coming up 20 minutes from now. We'll talk some college football. We'll talk your Buckeyes, Browns, Bengals, and more coming up here in just 20 minutes again with ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. Earlier this afternoon, ESPN's Adam Schefter broke the news that the Miami Dolphins have announced that they are going to move on from starter, uh, Fitz, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they're going to announce it, or they announced that Tua Tagovailoa is officially the starting quarterback for the Dolphins moving forward. Uh, to me, this was something that was probably in the works in the very beginning. It makes all the sense in the world. You're making this change at a time that it's a bye week. You know, two is going to have two weeks to prepare uh, for his first start uh, in the National Football League. But I think what is interesting is, is I think you could tell right now that this was the plan from the beginning, and that the Dolphins were not expected to be three and three at this exact moment. They are three and three in a division that I think is very uncertain. Um, you have a Buffalo Bills team that everyone right away just uh, basically pointed at and said, "Oh." They're they're winning this division now that uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots are you know down and out, um, and I don't know who the Patriots are at this moment because Cam Newton uh, obviously looked like he took a step back last week, but I'm not going to put that all on him. I think he only practiced three of the last 15 days uh, heading into that. Obviously, it's going to take time for him to kind of get back into the rhythm that he was in the first couple weeks of the season when everyone was like, man, this Patriots team they don't look that different. If anything, they look a little bit more you know flexible offensively, uh, and they're still the same well coached you know. New England Patriots squad with Bill Belichick. So this division's still up in the air. I think it's very uncertain. And I think that the, the Dolphins are taking a huge risk moving on from Fitzpatrick, who has just led them to two straight wins, uh, one of those over the Niners in a blowout fashion. Like the, the Dolphins have been playing pretty good football. And I don't think anyone anticipated this team to be playing pretty good football. They have unloaded a lot of talent over the last couple of years. This is not a team that anyone looks at and says, oh, they were the favorites to win the division the first year after Tom Brady leaves, and they were not the favorites to make the playoffs or, or win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl. I don't, you know, who knows what's going to happen moving forward. I don't know if they win this division or not. I don't know if they they make the playoffs or not. And I'm not just saying that I don't know because they're switching to Tua. I don't know even if Fitzpatrick is the guy. But I am a little surprised right now that with the way that they are playing, playing really good football, that they would announce this decision. What I believe it is is that they were at a point. Um, I believe that they were at a point, and someone just messaged, what's the number so I can call? 457 that's the number to call in. I think they were at a point where they always knew that they were going to go to Tua right at this bye week to give him two weeks to prepare. They were going to give him about a good six weeks uh, to kind of sit behind Fitzpatrick, kind of learn the game a little bit more, give him more time to heal up, and, now, and then give him the starting job right after the bye week. I think that that was the original plan going back to the beginning. I still thought it was foolish. Doctors announced that he was 100% healthy and ready to go, that he completely healed up quicker than anyone had anticipated, and that all news out of camp was just, oh man, Tua looks great. Tua looks so good. That was my biggest argument as to why the Dolphins 
didn't start him in the first place. You can't sit there and spend all preseason telling everyone how good he is behind, you know, during closed practices, how he looks better than anyone had anticipated it. Uh, you know, th- that's the problem I had with all of it is because then they were hiding behind the excuse of, well, you know, the injury, the injury. Well, what is it? He's either 100% healthy and he looks 100% ready to go in the preseason and he looks really, really good. Or the injury. You can't have it both ways. Regardless, the injury put that on the back burner because he's completely healed up right now, and they said they're very confident in his ability to be able to lead this team and take this offense to another level. Here's the deal. You want to talk about a guy that's coming in to uh, being thrown out to the Wolves. Uh, I think he's in a tougher situation right now than Joe Burrow. I think he's in a ten times tougher position than Joe Burrow. By the way, his offensive line uh, is great. The two worst offensive lines in football right now are the, is the Miami Dolphins and, and the Cincinnati Bengals. They have the two worst offensive lines. And Fitzpatrick was somehow winning games with that bad offensive line, by the way. So when I hear people try to make excuses for Joe Burrow, that, man, imagine if he had an offensive line. There are other quarterbacks out there who are getting it done, even with equally bad offensive lines, most notably the Dolphins with Fitzpatrick. And Tua is going to have an opportunity here to do the same thing. Will Bengals fans be as forgiving of Tua if he doesn't play well to start and say, well, you know, the offensive line? We'll see. We'll see if, you know, the hypocrisy that I love to point out amongst fan bases, I think that's going to be coming out full front and center coming up here around the corner if Tua comes out and plays well, and I believe that he will. I came out last year and said Tua is going to be the number one quarterback in this trade. By the way, that's not a hot take. Tua, every, I mean, you remember last year, Kev, tank for Tua? Mm-hmm. Tank for Tua. That was everyone's moniker last year, tank for Tua. And then as the season started rolling on, then Burrow, you know, then it was like, what was it, blow for Burrow or whatever it was. It was I mean, then, then Burrow started getting his... Uh, you know, his little monikers, you know, created throughout the year. There was nothing wrong with taking Joe Burrow. But let's keep in mind, the Bengals didn't take Joe Burrow because they believed that he was better than Tua. There were still talks leading up to the that the, the Bengals were all in on taking Joe Burrow, but there were some internal conversations about, you know, Tua still could potentially be that guy. I will say this. The Bengals were taking Joe Burrow no matter what. He's the Ohio guy. That's what we kept hearing, right? He's an Ohio guy. He's perfect for Cincinnati. He's already loved by the fan base because he's an Ohio guy. Folks, you're bashing Tua. But if Joe Burrow would have been Joe Burrow year one at LSU versus year two at LSU, the Bengals would have been all about Tua Tagovailoa. The same fans that are ripping me right here would be the same fans just drooling over Tua Tagovailoa going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I don't want to hear that all of a sudden this guy's trash. Because I promise you, the same Bengals fans that are ripping him right now would be the same Bengals fans drooling over him and just crying about how great he is if... Joe Burrow didn't have the year that he had last year, and everyone in the NFL was lining up ready to get to a tag of Iloa. The same way we're hearing teams line up right now to get Trevor Lawrence, the same conversations existed for two a tag of Iloa. I watched Justin Herbert, by the way. Someone said in the Facebook page, oh, he's only had two starts. No, right now, Justin Herbert's only had one less start than, than, um, than Burrow. And I'm more impressed with what I've seen from Justin Herbert than Joe Burrow. Sure, Joe Burrow has a bad offensive line. So what? The guy can't win close games. I mean, he's had multiple opportunities. Uh, you know, you can't sit there and, and praise him when he has a good offensive drive, and then when he doesn't have a good offensive drive in crunch time, you sit there and say, oh, well, the offensive line's bad. Bengals fans love to talk about the, well, they almost won. They almost beat this team. They almost beat your Browns. They almost won in week one if it wasn't for the kicker. One, four, and one. That's the record. It's the record for the Cincinnati Bengals. There's not a category for almost. All right, there's only wins, losses, and for whatever reason, ties. Can we get rid of ties? I hate ties. I don't like wearing ties, and I don't like ties in sports. I hate ties. So give me a break as far as that's concerned. Okay, so there's no almost categories. I guess the tie could be an almost category. You almost beat the Eagles, but, you know, you, the Eagles are bad too. So the bottom line is, is when I look at all of this right now and I see two coming in, there is a good shot that if, that if 
okay, that if Tua Tagovailoa goes on and the Dolphins just continue rolling, even with that bad offensive line, then what? Then what's the excuse going to be? As all of a sudden, oh, the offensive line's better than the Bengals, not by much. Pro football focus, which Bengals fans love to throw around all the time, has graded the Dolphins to have the second-worst offensive line in football behind the Cincinnati Bengals. So, please, I would love to hear more as to how all of a sudden you're going to dig yourself out of that one. I believe that Joe Burrow is going to be the third-best rookie quarterback by the end of this season. I'm not doing that to anger Bengals fans. I'm not doing it to stir the pot. I'm doing it because that's what I believe. I truly believe that Joe Burrow, by that time this season is done, will be viewed as the third-best rookie quarterback in the National Football League. Tua is going to come in, and he's going to do great things with the Dolphins, for one. Tua is going to do exactly what we all anticipated him to do before the injury last year. 361 days. All right, 361 days ago, uh, exactly, is when he, you know, when he had that huge career, that season-ending injury, the college career-ending injury, as far as that's concerned. So, to me, I am all... For two attack of LO coming in, I can't wait to watch this kid play. I'm bummed that they're bringing him in on a bye week because then I have to wait another whole week to watch him. Joe Burrow's been amazing to watch. Justin Herbert's been amazing to watch. Two has been amazing to watch. I think that this quarterback draft class right here is ultimately going to end up being better than the class that we all thought was going to be one of the best uh, quarterback classes of all time. The class that had Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Uh, obviously, Sam Darnold. And to be fair, we didn't put Lamar Jackson in that conversation. We never talked about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was supposed to be a wide receiver, remember? Remember there were teams out there who were trying to talk to Lamar Jackson about being a wide receiver? Remember that was going on? We didn't put Lamar Jackson in that category, but ultimately he is the face of that quarterback class. And then you look at the sad careers of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold right now. Those two haven't panned out. They haven't panned out. So this group right here with Tua, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, they're on pace right now uh, to potentially be the best you know, group that we've seen in quite some time coming in. And the quarterback class has only gotten deeper and better in the NFL year in and year out. And I think Tua's style fits the NFL more. You need to be athletic. You need to be able to escape the pocket and not be just a, you know standing up stiff in the pocket. Justin Herbert, that's where he separates himself from Joe Burrow. Tua Tagovailoa, that's where he's going to separate himself from Joe Burrow. Uh, the arm strength of Tua Tagovailoa better than Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert, arm strength, better than, than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's not bad. I'm just telling you, I believe the other two are going to be considered better when it's all said and done. Kev, you have in specific instructions. I got to go back <laughs> up. Uh, Chris Harold says, Kev, please talk some sense to this guy after the break. So you have specific instructions that you were supposed <laughs> to talk some sense into me. So two is going to be the best out of those three. That's in your opinion. I think Justin Herbert okay. is going to, right, with what I've seen. Again, it's four games. I know everyone right now is saying, uh, hold on, Chris uh, Harold says, uh, Kev, mute his mic. Relax, Chris. This is not <laughs> This is not the presidential debate, okay? You will not mute my mic. Wrong. You will not. No. <laughs> but, no, I, Justin Herbert, maybe two. I haven't seen him yet. But, again, I think that the strengths of Tua Tagovailoa from what you've read for you know reports coming in, Equal, if not better, than, than Joe Burrow moving forward. And I do believe that their teams are going to play a role in why those two will excel past Joe Burrow because those teams are going to do everything they can to put their guy in a better spot moving forward as well. So my question is, when the reports were coming out of Cincinnati Bengals camp about how good Joe Burrow was looking, you passed it off of what else are they supposed to say? And now that you're bringing up the reports about how good Tua looked in their camp, my question to you, what are where were else were they supposed to say I see about what you did there? I see what you said there. They also talk about for one his health and everything else that goes into that conversation. For one, the Bengals were you know, Joe Burrow did look good though. Joe Burrow did look how the front office said. I'm not saying anything bad about Joe Burrow. Right. People get very defensive here about not you, but in the feed, like I'm not even reading all this. Uh <laughs> dude, you keep saying the same hate on Burrow every day. I 
I'm okay. Yeah, we're talking about this is a story about Tua. I'm comparing all the quarterbacks. If you don't like it, I apologize. You just want Burrow's great. If I had to vote for MVP right now, Joe Burrow. So Kyle Wheeler, I hope you feel better. Uh, I hope I made you feel better. I hope Joe Bur- Joe Burrow is my vote for MVP this year. My fault. Sorry. Keep going. Anyways, you would ask that for a reason. I do believe. Look, I believe the Bengals when they said he looked good, and he does look good. I didn't say he looked bad. Mm-hmm. I just like the strengths of the other two. Look at look at Kyler Murray last night. He's not. I mean, Baker Mayfield's undersized. Baker Mayfield has a hard time getting out of the pocket. He's not very, you know, fast getting out of the pocket. I mean, teams, you know, they chase him down. Kyler Murray was making plays outside of the pocket. He was escaping pressure. He was making plays even when plays broke down. That's the same thing with Lamar. Patrick Mahomes could do that. Russell Wilson could do that. All the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now are doing that. That's where Justin Herbert separates himself from Burrow, and the same thing is going to be said about Tua. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, my thing about the whole tour thing is they I called me guy. They called me guy. Oh, oh boy. Okay, oh, keep man. going. No, I, I think you're right about them uh, having a plan in place for Tua. Uh, we talked about it being him being quote unquote ready to go from the season starting. Um, I don't necessarily believe that he was quote unquote ready to go as far as health reasons or just having the NFL game down. I think they had a plan in place to say, hey, we're going to get you in there, but we're going to gradually get you in there before we just kind of like throw you to the wolves. That's why we have Fitzmagic here on the team, and he's a perfect bridge guy to a young quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to – he's going to lose you games because he throws a lot of interceptions, but he's also going to win you games because he turns into freaking Joe Montana for some strange reason sometimes. We saw that against the 49ers. so weird. He's the – He's, he's had a game in his career where he's thrown five touchdowns and no interceptions. He's also had a game where he's thrown no touchdowns and five interceptions. Yeah. Like, he's just... Uh, he's I mean, into the, the beard's cool, too, man. Yeah, like that, that's who he is, and he's a perfect bridge guy. He's not going to be a guy that complains. He's kind of like a guy that you will want your young quarterback coming up underneath. So I think it was something that was already, quote-unquote, agreed to uh, amongst all parties involved. This is a perfect situation for Tua to step into. Like we say, he has the bye week, and I believe they have the Jets, right? Yes. Played out of the Jets, so I mean, we see what the train wreck the Jets are. So you're expecting to get uh, the a Dolphins? Win there. No, they just the Dolphins. They just beat the Jets. They just I'm beat sorry. the Jets. Yeah, you're right. They you're got right. the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers coming up. So you'll get to see Justin Herbert versus Tua on the 15th. Nice. And then Burrow against Tua on December 6th if Joe Burrow's still able to walk by then. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I always was a big Herbert fan, and I know you know us being in Big Ten country, we look down on quarterbacks from you know the Pac-12 and everything like that and you know I remember the game that he had against Arizona State and uh, he was throwing interceptions left and right and everybody laughed at him and said this guy's gonna be an NFL quarterback he ain't got it he ain't got it but you know they neglected to see the great game he had against a real good Auburn defense the first game of the season and throughout the rest of his last season Herbert balled out he was my guy and that I would want to lead my team because of that athleticism, because he's a big, strong quarterback. Um, I like Joe. I think Joe will be end up being the second-best quarterback. I'm not a big Tua guy. Hater. <laughs> I just don't think that Tua is going to be that guy in the NFL. Nothing against what he did at Bama, but I just don't think he is. I think he's a quarterback that isn't going to be able to produce at the same clip that these other guys are. All right, so let's go back to this. By the way, uh, Gordon Gross, it's a gross name, uh, said that, uh, oh, you. this should be the Kev Nash show with Justin Kinner. <laughs> I could pull some strings and we could make that happen. 
In fact, next segment, well, after Jason Fitz, we'll switch it up. It'll be the Kev Nash Show with Justin. You want to switch it up? We'll switch it up. No, we're good. We're good. We'll switch it up. No, 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 no. We'll switch it up. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Actually, to be fair, he did say this before you said Burrow would be the second best quarterback of this Uh -uh. group. So, you know, it, it might be... You know, they're, I, I don't, they're running out of names. Uh, Hooper, let's go get Hooper as far as I... All right, uh, Kyle Wheeler says, Dude, you keep saying the same hate on Burrow every day. The offensive line isn't the only problem. Okay, I know. Fitzpatrick is a veteran that has been exposed to the league and can manage games. Burrow, no veteran quarterback to mentor, no offseason to work out with your team. Second-year head coach that still, that still has trouble uh, finding this team. Again, that's a, that's a bunch of malarkey. That's a bunch of excuses right there. That's all excuses. It's not just the offensive line. Well, again, the defense isn't blocking for Joe Burrow. All I keep hearing is that Joe Burrow, imagine if Joe Burrow had an offensive line. Okay, I'm imagining. I'm closing my eyes, and I'm imagining. Yep, still almost winning games and still 1-4-1 and one on the year. Actually, maybe you lose to the Eagles instead of time. I don't know. Maybe you beat them. I don't know. Then you're, what, 2-4? and four? What do you want me to say? Bottom line is, is that you think Fitzpatrick is, you know, again, good quarterbacks find a way to win even with bad offensive lines. Maybe not win, but at least win some games. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that as far as that's concerned. But anyways, uh, Chris Harold says, and Jalen Hurts looked good until his injury. If not for that, Tua wouldn't have been here uh, where he is today, right? Actually, Jalen Hurts looked good until his injury. Jalen Hurts didn't get taken out for Tua because of an injury. Jalen Hurts got taken out of a game because for he wasn't play. playing good. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Saban, the reason Nick Saban is the best coach in all of college football right now, and no one even comes close, maybe Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban's the best head coach in college football because he had the cojones to make a change at halftime of a national championship game to go to a freshman quarterback that literally led Alabama to win a national championship. So Jalen Hurts was not hurt. Uh, that's not what led to that. If not for that, Tua wouldn't be where he is today rights we can go on and on about shoulda coulda woulda but when it came time to draft quarterbacks burrow was the def- definitive top choice again if any other team is picking number one and that injury if we want to play the woulda coulda shoulda kev if that injury doesn't happen mm-hmm. are we talking more is there more internal conversation for the bengals about who to take number one overall no i think it was joe from the go and why because he's from Ohio. He's an no, Ohio guy. I don't think it's all it about the that. food bank, and he's all about the Ohio. He's all <laughs> about Ohio. Tua doesn't care about a food bank in Dayton. Only Joe Burrow does. I mean, we. it's Joe Burrow because the story made sense. He's an Ohio guy. That's what you think they drafted him I know. Him I promised you no one. It, it would have been Tua. Had that injury doesn't happen, and anyone else is picking number one overall, Tua's the number one overall pick. Nah, Joe Burrow benefited from the, Tua, the, the big winner that week when Tua went down. Yes, LSU, but definitely Joe Burrow. And not because they went on to win a national championship. It's because it led to the easy door of opening up for Joe Burrow to be the number one pick overall. And there's nothing wrong with Joe Burrow. Like that's So you really think the Bengals drafted him because he's from Ohio? Yes. If that's, because he's good. Hold on, that the, sounds bad. <laughs> if because, that's true, then no, no, the no, Bengals are putting, in more trouble than we know. Oh, they because. definitely are. But, no, what I mean is like you're splitting hairs when you get to a point where if you have a healthy Tua Tagovailoa and a healthy Joe Burrow, you're splitting hair. I mean, you're really dissecting every little tiny thing you can about them. They are both elite-level quarterbacks. They were both the real dang deal here. And I think what would have gave Joe Burrow the edge over Tua for the Bengals if both were 100 a million percent healthy, Joe Burrow would have got the edge because he's an Ohio guy. Mm. I truly believe that. Everyone in, their, in, in the NFL last year was positioning themselves to get Tua Tagovailoa. Everyone. Until he went got hurt. And then everyone ignored Tua. Talked about how he might not even play this year. His career might be done for good. Nick Saban was a horrible coach for having him even being out there on the field because it was 28-7 to and everyone felt that he should have been benched. Yeah. 
Nah, man. If the Bengals drafted him because he was from Ohio, they have bigger problems than we know. They need to draft the best player on the board, and I think the best player in the draft, uh, quarterback-wise, was Joe Burrow. David Shaw, who usually disagrees with me, says Burrow. Well, for one, hold on, I got to go back to. I actually agree with Justin on this. He says Burrow was not the best quarterback in the draft if Tua was healthy. And if Tua is healthy now, what happened in a head-to-head matchup? Since we love head-to-head matchups, his team beat his team. Is this like WWE, the main event, one versus one, Tua Tagovailoa versus Joe Burrow? He outplayed Tua. Hmm. He outplayed Tua. Okay. That doesn't mean so. The head-to-heads in, in team sports always fascinate me. In football, he outplayed, he, out, he outplayed him, and his team won. Okay. And he put up the team know, that went on to be undefeated and win a national championship yeah. and have sixteen NFL players on the roster. I would hope that they would win. Yeah, but nobody said. How many guys from the Alabama team are in the NFL? Like his receiving core and went Tua in the first round. Was one of the considered one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time in college football. Yeah, splitting, and he outplayed him. outplayed him. LSU yeah. outplayed Alabama. He outplayed him. LSU outplayed Alabama. Chris Schulp says, uh, Tua had three or four injuries in college. He's a liability. Okay, Chris, he also had three or four injuries in college, and that's more than he had more injuries than Joe Burrow had good seasons in college football. So what does that have to do with anything? Joe Burrow sucked his entire career until the last year with LSU. For whatever reason, you know, I, I have no clue what just happened overnight that he just figured out how to play. But he did. And he's awesome, and the Bengals are lucky to have him. People are getting really defensive about this. I am not saying that Burrow is bad. Me saying two, I think two is going to be better. I think you did just say it was bad, but... No, he was bad for <laughs> almost his entire college career until that magical year. we got to call Jason Fitz. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder show. He's injury prone. Okay. Let's talk about injury prone in a year when your quarterback can't walk because your front office was too stupid to get him an offensive line. Jason Fitz next. He is fired up today. You know, I don't have a whole lot of friends to begin with, and I'm definitely not making a whole lot of friends today as far as that's concerned. I should have just said Tua sucks, Burrow is the best, Burrow is your MVP. No quarterback almost wins games the way Joe Burrow does. I mean, they're what? What? Hey, man. It's the Justin Kenner show. I mean, I, last I checked, 1-4-1. One, and one, I, 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 You know? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We'll Anyways. see. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways, all right. We'll get back into that later. 457-9464. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on a Tuesday. Hope everyone had a great day. Uh, yeah, we got lots more get, uh, to get into. We're going to get back into that. We're going to take a look at some of the top matchups in the NFL coming up here uh, to headline week seven, including Kev's Steelers and the Titans. I cannot wait uh, for that one. Big news out of the NFL today. Tua Tagovailoa named the starter for the Dolphins moving forward. Of course, it's a bye week for them, and we'll keep an eye on that situation as it unfolds. Again, this, you know, the fact that they are ignoring the fact that Fitzpatrick Patrick had just won two games for them in a row and that they're 3-3 three and three in a division that really is a toss-up. I don't think we know exactly who the Bills are. We know that they're the best of that group, but they're they're reeling a little bit. They were punched in the mouth twice in back-to-back weeks, and we'll see how they respond and rebound moving forward. But that division is is uh, it's vulnerable right mm-hmm. now, so it's an interesting move from the Dolphins. Let's talk some NFL. Let's bring on ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. He joins us now. Jason, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, and I think you were kinder than I have been today on how interesting the move is. I, I mean, the move makes 
little to no sense to me for the Dolphins. And, and it's not because I don't believe Tua is going to be spectacular. I do, but you're right. They're right in the thick of this playoff hunt. I, I don't understand the move when you've got momentum, which is the hardest thing to get and the easiest thing to lose in 2020. You bring that up, and again, this is a situation, too, as I'm watching where the Texans could possibly end up, and they have that Texans pick, uh, that next year's first-round pick. I mean, I'm not saying that they're tanking, because um, they weren't really really good at tanking last year. They won too many games to get up to that number one spot. They almost gave up all their first-round draft picks. No, but I'm not saying that they're tanking, but is it one of those two where they're like, oh, man, we're not trying to win too many games this year. We could potentially end up with two top ten picks in this upcoming first round. Well, I'm not sure about that just because they spent so much money this offseason. Mm-hmm. Their secondary, particularly, like they went out and spent cash. I think the Dolphins thought they were going to be pretty good. I just don't think that they understood that the rest of the East wasn't going to be pretty good. I mean, it's easy to presume that the Patriots are going to fix everything. I'm not willing to just turn around and make that presumption quickly. The, the, the real question here becomes the Bills. And frankly, the Bills are 4 0 against, yeah, and then 0 2 against good teams, right? So. Who are the Bills? Is Josh Allen sustainable the way he's playing? I mean, those are questions we don't know the answer to. And for Miami, if they think that they have a shot at the division or the shot at a wild card, which is going to be really tough to get in the AFC, I'm not sure you can afford even one game. And it's fair to say, hey, Tua could cost you a game. Even if he's great, he could cost you a game in the, you know, sort of the process of becoming a pro quarterback. There's got to be an adjustment. Yeah, you talk about Buffalo being eh versus uh upper echelon caliber teams, we could say the same thing about the Browns, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about that. I mean, you're, and by the way, Dan Graziano always tells me, use my words. He tells me meh and eh aren't words. I disagree, Dan. But, <laughs> I disagree, uh, too. You're absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I look at, at the Browns particularly, and look, they're, at some point you got to look at Baker, and we've talked about Baker together before. At some point you got to look at Baker and say, okay, the running game is strong for this team. The offensive line grades out incredibly well for this team. He has weapons to throw to for this team. So he's got an offensive-minded coach that's supposed to be very good. They're running the ball so effectively, like, what's the problem? And at some point, the problem can only be everybody else for so long. I mean, Baker's got to be better. And, and I don't think that's a hot take, and I, I'm not saying he can't be better. It's just he when he doesn't play well, he costs his team game. Not even the, the like, middle of the road, okay, somehow – I didn't play well, but we can still manage. No, when Baker doesn't play well, the Browns lose. And so he's got to fix that. Like, all he has to do is not stink, and the Browns should be pretty good. The problem is sometimes Baker just goes out and lays an egg, and that's not something you can get used to for the fan base. At a certain point, uh, you know, and again, Kevin Stefanski has come out and announced that, look, if he's healthy, he's the starter moving forward, obviously. I don't think we're at the point yet where we're heavily talking about uh, QB controversy there. But obviously, going out and getting Case Keenum in the offseason, I remember when they signed him, uh, they signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, and he's one of the highest-paid backup quarterbacks in the league. And I remember pointing out then that that said a lot about what the front office was kind of viewing big picture with Baker, is that you go around, no team out there signs backup quarterbacks for three years. And really, there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that looked signed to be a backup for three years. I felt there was conversations behind closed doors saying, hey, there's a pretty good shot that Keenum could be the starter before it's all said and done by the end of this year. At what point, if this team continues to lose like they did yesterday, if they face another game like that where they have to say, hey, we have too much talent. We can't afford to waste all this talent just trying to force a square peg into a round hole, talking about Baker Mayfield. Man, uh, everything you've said makes a thousand percent sense, and the answer would be in the next couple of weeks. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around Baker 
being given up on. And, and, and that's just a complete, I'll be the first to admit it, it's a complete brand bias to who I think we all think Baker was going to be or thought Baker had the opportunity to be. I don't know that I ever looked at Baker and said, okay, he's going to be the next whatever, Dan Marino, right? But I still looked at Baker and thought, yeah, I mean, they got themselves a good quarterback. The thought that we're even having this conversation shows you that at this point it's failing. And, and I don't know how Kevin Stefanski fixes it. So then you got to look at it and say, okay, how, how long are you willing to go before you have to eventually throw it out? Because at some point this is still a good enough Browns team to win a bunch of games. Like, if he's a liability, you got to move on. But you don't get to get that moment back. Like, the minute they bench Baker, I don't see how they ever get it back with him. So that would be sort of admitting that they made a mistake with the pick. And that's, that's God, that's just tough to do three years in. You want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and young Joe Burrow. And these close matchups that he's had, you know, through the interception this past week with the Colts. He had the tie with Philadelphia. And then, obviously, the uh, missed kick in the opening week versus the Chargers and everything like that. Is it too early on Joe Burrow to say he can't get it done in the clutch? Yeah, I, I think it is because, let's face it, as we talked about before, I don't think his receivers helped him at all in the first one. And, you know, when a kicker misses an easy kick, that's not on him. You know, I think that there's been times that he's been failed by everybody else. But the one thing we have said is that he can't let Cincinnati impact him. He's got to impact Cincinnati. That throw was not Joe Burrow. Like, that is, that is just I – know, I know it's one throw, and there's a lot of throws in the game. But that interception – was a moment where I looked at it and thought, man, that is not the Joe Burrow that I expect. That's not the Joe Burrow that he expects. That's not the Joe Burrow that the Bengals demand. I mean, that's not that's not the throw to make in that situation. You cannot place the ball that high and outside of the reach the way he did. It cost him the game, and that's a moment where it feels like a little bit of Cincinnati seeps into Joe Burrow. He's got to come back strong from that because I think you've got to sort of reverse those tendencies, and that's going to take him playing really aggressively and really well. One more thing about the Cincinnati Bengals, Randy Bullock. Obviously, he missed a kick in opening week versus the Chargers, but he also missed another kick this past weekend. You know, I'm not a guy that says, oh, man, these guys need to be losing their job, man. But I don't understand, like, kickers, like, lose their jobs left and right in this league, man. I don't see how he's still employed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that a lot. And I do think if there's any one spot, that that just comes with the territory, it's for kickers, right? I mean, that's just a level of what we expect. And, and frankly, should we, shouldn't we sort of demand that? Like, being a kicker means that you are living in constant, you know, pressure, right? So if you're constantly being pressured, then in my mind, like, the pressure of having to make the kicks to keep your job is just part of that life. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it can't be that hard to find kickers, but it feels like it is, man. It, it's the number of teams that have bad kickers is just it's inexcusable to me. Like, where are all the good kickers? They all play in soccer now? Is everybody giving up on just play kicking? A ton of money in it. Go on, get it figured out. <laughs> ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us here on the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station 1410 uh, Wing AM. To go back to that Browns-Steelers game, I'm done talking about the Browns. Forget the Browns. The narrative was that the Browns were really bad, obviously, but I think that takes away from how good Pittsburgh played as well because we could talk about how bad the Browns played and how bad Baker played, but the one strength about the Browns that we talked about was their run game. They're, that offensive line is one of the best in football, and Pittsburgh's front four, or their, their front line, they absolutely demolished that offensive line for Cleveland. They're, they physically made Cleveland look like they had no business being in that game. How good's Pittsburgh? Was that the game that you look at now and say, okay, even if it was Cleveland, that's the game that you looked at and said they put it all together. We saw a dominant performance offensively and defensively. 
Yeah, I, I, a thousand percent. And look, a few weeks ago when Kansas City beat Baltimore, at the time I said that was less a statement of Baltimore, more a statement of Kansas City. I do think that this game's a little statement on Cleveland, but it's also a big statement on the Steelers. And I don't know why people are really surprised by that. Like, I, I came into this season saying, hey, last year had there been seven playoff teams in each conference, they would have made the playoffs. And that was with people we've never heard of playing quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Just getting Big Ben back was going to be enough to put them into that conversation. I mean, yeah, if you're winning games with Duck, you're doing better than most of the NFL. Miles Garrett made Mason you know, Rudolph famous last year, so. <laughs> <laughs> you are right about that. I, I mean, nailed that one on the head, didn't I? I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, man, this is this is simple. The Steelers are great. They're not good. They're great. The problem is Kansas City is still the best team in the NFL to me. So, we're, you know, it's funny because Steelers fans became so angry at Mike Tomlin in one era for not winning a Super Bowl without acknowledging that they were up against you know the, the the that epic moment of the Patriots every year. Well, this year I think the Steelers could be the best team in the NFL. The problem is they're up against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are just a juggernaut. All right, Jason, we'll send you out with this. I know we talked a lot of NFL, but I have a question about the Ohio State Buckeyes out of the Big Ten. They finally kick out. The Big Ten finally kicks off their season this week, a month and a half after everyone else has. But they're only playing eight games this year. And we just saw with Florida, and we just saw with LSU how they had the luxury of being able to push back a big game and, and postpone it. Ohio State, you only get eight weeks. You only get eight games. And eight games is still less than what the SEC, ACC, and others are playing. So I'm curious with this circumstance right here. Ohio State's undefeated at the end of the year, but they had to cancel a game due to uh, an outbreak, whether it's their team or not. How can you put them in a college football playoff at 7-0 and if everyone else has 10 or 11 games on their resume? Do you see a scenario that that could present itself and be a real issue come playoff time? The the only reason I'd say no is because the body of work that we've gotten so far from the rest of the teams in college football has made most of them look really foolish. Like the number of teams that have looked bad right now, I mean, it, it, we, we were doing it on one of the digital college football shows I hosted. The big conversation was, uh, who's the fifth best team in the country right now? Mm. And that's not an easy question to answer mm. when you start looking around saying, well, who really belongs in the playoff? Like, I think the fact that we haven't seen the Big Ten is actually right now helping Ohio State Penn State and Wisconsin, three teams that have high expectations coming in. So it all comes down to that Ohio State, Ohio State game at night, Happy Valley, against Penn State. I think if that's an epic game, the, the Big Ten has a real shot of getting two teams in the playoffs, even if they play less games, because what we've seen from Georgia, and just it, Georgia against Bama wasn't good enough. It doesn't matter how you shake it out, it wasn't good enough. But, uh, and Notre Dame and North Carolina do not pass the eye test, and the eye test is everything to the committee. So I expect, knowing that there's limitations on how many games the Big Ten can play, I think Ohio State's going to come out from day one trying to run it up on everybody and just remind everybody, doesn't matter how many games we played, we won by a 1,000 points a week, and that's going to be a big initiative for them. So I think it actually, in that sense, that's why they'll still be in, because they're going to kill everybody along the way. You know, something I've been talking to Kenner about, you know, how sloppy college football has looked or really hasn't looked good is because these teams really didn't get that much practice time. But on the hindsight... The Big Ten has been practicing forever. So do you think the Big Ten teams will come out playing better football as opposed to the SEC and the Big 12 and ACC when they started playing? They should. I mean, they should. But the one thing I would say about that is that the, the SEC, I expected the SEC to look better than the Big 12, especially defensively. And I, I don't know why everybody keeps telling me. Like, I've asked every analyst why we're holding SEC defense to a different standard than Big 12. And everybody keeps saying, well, it's different. It's different. No. I mean, these defenses have been awful so far this year. And it's, I'm not going to make an exception just because they happen to wear Alabama jerseys instead of Oklahoma. It means more. So, 
I mean, yeah, I, it, well, maybe playing defense should mean something to the SEC because it's been bad so far. So, you know, I, I think the Big Ten should come out and look cleaner. But the one thing I'd say is that the committee's going to expect that. And that's one thing that is I mean, unfair in this process is the committee's going to hold them to a different standard because they have had more time. So they're going to expect cleaner football from Ohio State than they've expected from Alabama. I don't think it's right. I just think it's human nature to what they're going to do. All right, ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. Spain and Fitz, weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. You can hear Jason coming up later on tonight. Jason, thanks so much for your time. We look forward to this every week. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. You too. Later. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number you can call in, and we'll you know feed off of what we just talked about there. Interesting points he made about the perception of the SEC. How we forgive them for not playing defense, but yet we crucify the Big Twelve for not doing it. I think you know, obviously, history kind of makes out like the big the Big Twelve is known for not playing defense. To where that's the SEC is not known for that. But remember earlier when I said you know when Ohio State blows out Penn State even by eleven, you know, like we talked about, you know, but like Wisconsin that top ten matchup last year, and I'm like, oh man, that hurt the Big Ten because you just saw. Ohio State just demolished another top mm-hmm. 10 team, and it just proved that they're really not that good. That perception only exists with the Big Ten. And the SEC, we just watched Georgia get embarrassed by Alabama in a top five matchup, and they only dropped one spot, and they're still in the top four. If the playoff was today, Georgia would still be in, even after getting shellacked like that by Georgia. So it is interesting. You know, when we talk about that, it just means more. I know people hate that. I'm not saying that that's what has anything to do with this. But that's another example of one of those things where the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt versus other conferences. And especially Georgia. I don't think Georgia should be getting the benefit of the doubt. Like, they haven't won a national championship since Herschel Walker back in 82. You know what I'm saying? This isn't something that teams should be getting a benefit of the doubt. Like, Florida doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. They won the national championship in the 2000s. I don't, like, the narrative always switches from team to team and conference to conference about what team gets the benefit of the doubt. It's it's very strange how college football works, but that's how it is. And that's why it has a fan base the way it does, because the narrative constantly switches. Um, you know, it. We we talk about Clemson now. But you know what? Uh, no more than six years ago. No more than six years ago, Clemsoning was a thing. Blowing leads was Clemsoning. You know, there now was it's a, the Falconing. Yeah. You know, there there was a time not too long ago, you know, Pat White put up 77 on them in the Orange Bowl. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, that's how narratives switch. You win some games. You, you beat a LSU in the Chick-fil-A game. Then you're in the national championship hunt the next year. And then you win a national championship. And then you're back in there again. And then you win another one. Then you're back in there. So all that stuff before is forgotten. Well, I think what has a lot to do with it, too, recruiting classes. Yeah. I do believe that common sense, and not like saying you do. What I mean is I think for common sense for the committee is they go back and they look. Okay, look. This team, they just got beat by Alabama, but man, they have four and five stars all over the place. So they get the benefit of the doubt more than some other teams who maybe don't have as many. And that sounds very simplistic, but sometimes the simplest answer is the only answer. And I think that's what it comes down to as well. It's the only thing you could just, outside of saying, oh, it's just the SEC, Ohio State gets that benefit of the doubt a lot of times too. And for anyone out there that disagrees, keep in mind, they made a college football mm-hmm. playoff one year after the Big Ten champion was held out. Ohio State lost to the Big Ten champion, and the committee still kept the Big Ten champion out because Ohio State, just on paper, you know. But then they've also been ignored for that, too, like 2015. But they had a whole season of playing below par as far as that goes. Let's pick up with this when we get back because I didn't really – look at that time. Holy Fine. smokes. I, get, I don't handle the clock well. I think the Bengals are online, too. They want to hire me to coach. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere.
Buckeye fans, it's finally game week. Join us this Saturday on 1410 ESPN Radio as the Ohio State Buckeyes welcome in Nebraska. Pre-game starts at 10... Big thanks to ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz for taking time and hanging out with us uh, here today on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. If you missed the interview, don't worry. Make sure you subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. You can go back and listen to shows in their entirety, select segments, and all interviews like the one we just had with Jason Fitz. You can go back and re-listen to those at your leisure. Of course, you can also access all of those at wingam.com. Click on the Watch the Justin Kinner on the ESPN uh, on the Watch ESPN Dayton tab. I'm sorry, up in the upper left-hand corner of wingam.com. You'll be able to go back and watch full episodes, select segments, and all interviews as we just discussed. A lot of interesting uh, notes, news notes that we talked about uh, with Jason as far as that's concerned. But as we did discuss with the Browns, as far as Baker Mayfield is concerned, the Browns, they have big decisions to make. Like everyone's talking about, like, oh, moving forward. I saw an article today talking about how, you know, and talking about you know picking up his option heading into next off season. I mean, this is year three. Next year's year four. You have the opportunity to potentially pick up the option, like the Cowboys just did with Dak Prescott. You know, before coming into this year. I don't even think it makes it that far. I do believe next year could potentially be the last year the Bakers with the Browns, depending on how the rest of this season pans out. But for everyone out there that I just saw a note on Facebook a little bit ago, someone said they just you know need to rip the bandaid off and get Keenum out there. If you look back at the Steelers game this past weekend. He, Keenum got a decent amount of PT. It's not like he, you know he came in the last drive of the night. The Browns didn't look any different or any better with Keenum out on the field. So Baker's the problem. Keenum's the problem. Quarterback is the problem. And you can say this: the, they have quite a few issues on defense. They don't have a lot of issues on offense. Baker's the biggest issue they have on offense. I can't believe I'm sitting here after all the smack I talk, sitting here actually saying this. But the Browns would be absolutely stupid to. Ignore all the talent they have on this roster just to force a square peg in a round hole, hoping that all of a sudden Baker's just magically going to get it from one week to the other. There's, there are really good teams that have significantly less talent than the Browns have. And the Browns are wasting this talent. And they're wasting it, unfortunately, and I can't believe I'm saying this because of Baker Mayfield's play mm-hmm. right now. That's why weeks ago when you talked about the game manager role for him, I'm like, that's a problem. If you are labeling him as a game manager, that means he's not your guy. Because this roster is not built for a game manager. This I ro- think this roster is perfectly built for a game manager. Not when you have explosive playmakers at wide receiver. Like, no, you have to have a guy that's capable of at least throwing. But that's the offense. The offense is set up for it to be a game manager. Heavy with the run game. Heavy you set with it the up Because Stefanski's setting up. Look, that's how the offense was ran with Minnesota. Who were his quarterbacks? Uh, Case Keenum and Kirk Case Keenum. Game manager and, well, the uh, what Baker is. Interception machine. <laughs> Like you're I, not. If I true, you mean I to truly, tell me if Stefanski was running a Patrick Mahomes offense, you would tell Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you need to manage this offense. You're not going to be all throwing 300 yards and stuff. Uh, we're not going to put up with that crap here. No. <laughs> like what I mean is, if you had a quarterback that's capable of doing that, hold on, you know, BS Kenner uh, starters weren't out there with him. That is ludicrous. Shaw, stop. It's Case freaking Keenum. It's not Brett Favre in his prime sitting behind Baker Mayfield. It's Case Keenum. It's Case Keenum. He's not any better or worse than Baker. It it is, other than a veteran who maybe will turn the ball over less than Baker, he's not winning you games. The offense will not look better with Case Keenum. You'll still be punting the same amount of times. There'll be less turnovers, which obviously that's an upgrade right there. But to act like Case Keenum's going to come in and just take this Browns to the top of the division, that's a lie. And if you think Jarvis Landry and OBJ and those guys are going to be 
excited to play with Case Keenum? They're not. They were excited to play with Baker because the history of Baker showed that he was able to make plays, explosive plays down the field. That's why they went and got an OBJ. Look at Baker's rookie year. He was throwing bombs down the field. Big play after big play. That offense came alive when he took over. They were scoring in the 30s, 40s regularly. He threw 27 touchdowns. Like, the guy was, you know, he, he looked legit. He looked more legit than the guy that Bengals fans are drooling over right now in his rookie year. And he has been straight garbage since. And I've been trying to, like, be patient. Say, oh, well, he's going to go back to that. He's going to go back to that. He's going, he's moving further and further away from that as each week goes by. And he'll probably come out this week and have a big game because it's the Bengals. But I'm not going to put a lot of stock in that because it's the Bengals defense. So he is proving he can't win against good teams. And that's the problem. And this this is Baker Lover Kinner over here. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like, So what's the play? I mean, you don't want to plug in a rookie into this system, you want to plug in a veteran, right? Agreed. So what's the play? The play is not happening this year, but the play is because everyone's going to say, well, do you trade OBJ? Do you trade Jarvis? No, you leave them. You worked hard to get OBJ. You worked hard to get Jarvis here. You worked hard to get Hooper. You did a great job drafting uh, Nick Chubb. You did a great job at working out a very friendly deal with Kareem Hunt, who obviously was nothing this past weekend. That offensive line was nothing. The receivers were nothing. The quarterback, everyone was nothing against Pittsburgh this weekend. So this isn't on anyone particular other than the quarterback. That's just how this game works. You always blame the quarterback. But my point is, is that moving forward, they got to not look to move any pieces off that roster. I don't even say you move Baker, but you got to go out. If you get a Matt Ryan... Matt Ryan will do very well in this offense. He will find ways to get OBJ involved. He'll find ways to get Jarvis involved. He won't turn the ball over as much. Matt Ryan makes a lot of sense in Cleveland next year. And I know people say, oh, it's Cleveland. No one's going to Cleveland. No one was going to Cleveland because you had rosters that were basically headlined by Deshaun Kaiser years ago. This roster is actually sexy enough that if you look at some of the quarterbacks who are available next offseason... It's not that bad of a landing spot outside of the fact that maybe people would shy away from wanting to go up against the Steelers in Baltimore four times throughout a 16-17 game season. Uh, yeah, another thing people got to realize about that whole, well, nobody's going to Cleveland or whatever. This is the NFL. This isn't the NBA. You know, in the NBA, you know, guys try to force their way to the big markets. In the NFL, people try to force their way to places they can win games. You know, so if a quarterback out there thinks they can win games with the Browns, they'll go to Cleveland. You know, if Matt Ryan it part ways with the Falcons and he sees an opportunity to win games and potentially get back to a Super Bowl, he'll go wherever. If that's the Cleveland Browns, that's where he'll go. Um, I don't think that's a bad play. I mean, depending on how the Falcons finish this season with Raheem Morris at the helm now, they put up crazy points, uh, didn't. And didn't give up a lot of points <laughs> this past week. We'll see how that goes this week versus uh, the Detroit Lions and everything like that. We'll see how their season ends um, and see how they move forward. But, you know, that's a play, possibly. Um, I'm trying to think about other potential quarterbacks that are going to be available, not only free agency-wise, but also you just looking at teams that don't really meet their expectations because that's really the person that you'll be looking at the, a player that doesn't a quarterback that's on the team that doesn't meet expectations because a free agent quarterback normally they don't leave town normally if you're the guy for them you become a free agent they franchise you like that or they give you a big contract like they deal with Deshaun and Patrick Mahomes so I'm just trying to think what other guys out there would they make a play for I really can't think of any besides Matty Ice off the top of my head Obviously him, uh, look, this is a long shot. Remember, we brought this up earlier, Dak Prescott. If the Cowboys decide, like, if the Cowboys are as bad as what they were last night, they may find themselves 
in that Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. They may find themselves in that Justin Fields sweepstakes. So to sit there and act like Dak Prescott's for sure going to be a Cowboy moving forward, I, I don't. I, I still think it's unlikely that the Cowboys just say, "Yeah, we're, we're done." You know, sorry that we screwed you over, didn't pay you, and that you had that you know a potential career-altering injury, but you. But that is the reality here. Don't act like if the Cowboys, if Trevor, like if the Cowboys end up having a top three pick and Justin Fields is right there, do you really think they're not going to take him? Like I, I think the Cowboys will be smart to trade that pick and get a whole bunch of picks to fix a whole lot of problems on their team. That's what I think the smart play would be. But that, I mean, does, that doesn't happen. I know what you're saying. We like we talked about that with the Bengals, who had so many holes that you know they weren't a Joe, Joe Burrow away from anything. Although, by the way, I was all about getting the quarterback. The toughest thing in the world is finding the quarterback. It's so hard to find a quarterback, which is why I thought it would be dumb to trade for all the picks from the Dolphins. They needed to take Joe Burrow because you need the quarterback. Mm-hmm. We, you get the quarterback. They clearly don't have all the holes filled right now. But I think that's why Bengals fans aren't panicking about how bad they look this year. It's because, yeah, who cares? We got a quarterback. Right. That's all that matters. I mean, they had all the pieces, and they didn't feel good about Andy Dalton. That's why Bengals fans didn't thoroughly enjoy the run with Andy Dalton, because there was always that thing in the back of their head saying, something still just doesn't quite look right. Now with Burrow, nothing looks right, but it all seems okay, because you have your guy under center that you really like in Joe Burrow. So I do think that the quarterback really matters from a marketing standpoint, from everything. I don't know if Justin Fields checks off the boxes of, of marketability for the Dallas Cowboys, but man, like I said, it's a long shot. But the Dallas Cowboys, if for whatever random reason Trevor Lawrence is right there, look out. Because I, I do see them going that route. But it's unlikely Dak Prescott's there. Phillip Rivers, no, pass. Please move on. <laughs> um, you know, you have Jacoby Brissett, Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick could be available. But the other one that we haven't talked about that I still think makes a ton of sense outside of Matt Ryan, Garoppolo could potentially be available because the other team that's looking after Matt Ryan is the 49ers, who makes a lot of sense so there. So from one game manager to another. The Garoppolo can make plays down the field. Not He's as a game consistently. Manager. He's more than a game manager. <laughs> and by the way, when he goes to teams, they win. He's a game manager. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a game manager. By the way, like, and he outplayed Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. Did he? he abs- oh my God! Yes, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Now in the when Super you overthrow a wide over, you are one damn play. <laughs> one damn play going to highlight the whole thing in the Super no, Bowl. No, no, there's more than no. one play. He threw an interception with his eyes closed too. Listen, I'm not saying he play, should have been Super Bowl MVP by any means, but to sit there and act like he was straight trash, that's absolutely ridiculous. When you throw an interception with your eyes. porn stars. How cool would that be? He's so cool. That's why. That is cool. the coolest thing about him. No, uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. If he doesn't resign, I mean, Cleveland has cap space. They have plenty of cap space. Cam Newton could potentially come to Cleveland next year. They're not going the route of drafting one. Because they're so good at it, apparently. <laughs> they're not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to go hit the market, whether it's Matt Ryan, whether it's Cam Newton, trading for one. And who knows what happens. There's a lot of guys out there. You know, what about the Raiders? The Raiders already were a little iffy about Carr. I'm not a big Carr guy, but Carr could potentially be available through trade or whatever it could end up being. All I'm a saying is the Browns, of money. the Browns have a lot of options uh, as far as that's concerned. I want to go back. Uh, David Shaw says, uh, why can Keenum take Minnesota deep into the playoffs, but he can't do anything in Cleveland? Come on. He had one magical season. Okay. Keenum. Keenum's not a terrible quarterback, but you're not going to convince me that he is head and shoulders better than Baker to the point where this team is all this. They're going to make the playoffs even with Baker at quarterback. Like, and and that's my whole thing about it. So if the Browns make the playoffs, y'all 
Browns fans still not going to be satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm fine with that because that's the next step in the progression of this yeah, roster. Like, people want to go Baker from... got commercials and he's taking shirtless pictures with Tigers next to cars and people started hating on him right away saying, oh, he thinks he's a Super Bowl winner, which is such a Gumby couldn't stretch that far. But, you know, Browns haters are all about it. So that's why, I mean, he's, he's a cocky personality. People hate him. So people elevated. No, Browns fans, too. I was the annoying one saying he's the third best quarterback in the AFC North already. Rank him. And then think Lamar him. Jackson owes me uh, so much because, you know, at that time, Lamar was just a backup to, oh, you know, Joe Flacco, which I wasn't wrong at the time. He was, you know, the second best quarterback in the AFC North. He's His rookie year, he was better than Joe Flacco. He was definitely better than Andy Dalton. And he was not better than Big Ben. But, but that's why I'm saying I'm putting him behind Big Ben that rookie year. But he's been straight crap since then. You got it out now. Of me. Rank him now. Right now, I'm still not putting Joe Burrow ahead of Baker Mayfield. I don't <laughs> care what anybody says. I do not think this Browns team is any better with Joe Burrow at quarterback. I really do. You think that Joe Burrow and the Browns beat the Steelers this past Sunday if they have Joe Burrow? Doubtful. 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 It's not doubtful. It's a no. It's a straight no. I'm taking a huge left turn rank from him. where I was. Oh, yeah. Rank, rank him. him. Uh, Lamar. Big Ben. Which, by the way... Lamar, is he taking a step back, or is the offense protecting him more and not letting him be as I, reckless? Isn't a great word to use, but like they're they're be, they're managing him a lot more than they did last year. They're not just letting him run all over the place. The explosive plays in the run game are not there this year. Um, that seam route that was working like the first two weeks of the season, I don't know what happened with Mark Andrews, but he's out here butterfingers. Like maybe he got blasted. And I don't know about it, so he's like going up there alligator arming it lately. Um, I saw him alligator a couple passes against the Bengals. I saw him alligator a pass against Philadelphia. Um, but those explosive plays aren't there right now, and that's like how their whole offense is built. Is built around explosive plays, not only in the run game but in the passing game. That intermediate route stuff really isn't their thing yet, um, especially for Lamar. Um, yeah. So that's why I am a big proponent of, well, not proponent of it because I would hate for him to go there because I would have to play against him, but that's why I believe Antonio Brown would end up there once his suspension is over. I think he will be showing up there day one, ready to play. Yeah, and you know. They need somebody. They need somebody else. I mean, Marquise Brown is on the outside. They got uh, Willie Sneed in the slot and Andrews. You can't tell me another weapon on the outside that they have so that's a perfect landing place for an Antonio Brown unless they're going to make a play to try to trade for Julio or something like that they're about to hit the nuke button in Atlanta give up everybody or something as of right now just six weeks in okay I the way they've played Big Ben is playing the best football in the AFC North right now quarterback wise very efficient uh, I would put Big Ben one. This isn't like, oh, who are you going to build a team around moving forward? Right. Who's right now ranking the quarterback? It's Big Ben. It's Lamar. I'm still putting Baker. Baker is going to, right now, the only game people are thinking about is this Pittsburgh game. He was not bad before that game. He had a bad game against the Ravens. And I'm not, comp- I'm not saying he was great, but he wasn't terrible. And Joe Burrow's a rookie who's constantly on his back. His team's not winning games, so I can't put Joe Burrow above Baker Mayfield. That's not me hating. It's just the reality of it. So, Big Ben, Lamar, Baker, Burrow. And not by much, by the way. Not by much. And if Burrow had an offensive line, maybe it's different. But as of right now, he doesn't, and that's keeping him from maybe taking that next step. And regardless of whether that's an excuse or not, which I do think it's an excuse because we just don't know, it, it is what it is. But I still have Baker above Burrow. And when I was talking about the Browns moving on from Baker, I, they can make the playoffs with Baker this year. But this team is built explosively enough 
They make some changes defensively in the offseason. Super Bowl is not that stupid to talk about if they have the right quarterback in place. When you have the weapons you do offensively, when you have that offensive line, when you have that run game, I look at the Titans. That's who, I mean, they don't even need a great quarterback. Tannehill's been fantastic as much as I can't stand him. Schroeder, you better be listening because I'm just ripping this Band-Aid off now. <laughs> the Browns, there's a huge gap between the Titans and Browns, and it's at quarterback, and it's defensively, and the Titans have fine-tuned some things defensively the last couple of weeks because they didn't look good defensively the first couple. But all the teams in the NFL right now that are in the, you know, leading their division, great offensive line play, great run game, strong defense. Steelers, that's their game. Elevated quarterback. Look at the Bears. The Bears are winning the AFC, or the, you know, their divi- the NFC. Uh, they're winning their division right now. Every team that is good right now, it's all about what's up front, defense, run game. And the Browns are not that far. They are a quarterback away from being in that, contending for that division. I had the Browns contending for the division at the beginning because I thought Baker was going to take that next next step because of coaching, because the skill set around him, because of the better offensive line. And he has not taken that next step, and that's on him. And that's on me for being stupid enough. To put my mouth out like they're out there like that. So I'm just saying. What was your prediction of the game last week? Well, you found it, huh? <laughs> I don't know why you didn't come in and record it. I wasn't going to do your dirty work for you. <laughs> I was running late, man. I was running late. I wanted. To, I'm gonna get it on the high keys. Don't worry. Uh, Ron <laughs> says that Fitzpatrick would win with that team. Do you, if you put Fitzpatrick in at quarterback for the Browns right now, how good are they? Fitzpatrick's going to Fitzpatrick. He's going to win some games that you would like, dang, they won that game, and then he's going to be throwing a ton of interceptions. Like, I mean, with Fitzpatrick, man, I just don't know, man. Baker like, Mayfield's a poor man, Fitzpatrick, because you don't know what you're going to get out of him on a week-to-week basis, but he doesn't have that explosiveness to put points up like Fitzpatrick. Like Fitzpatrick yeah. on any given, like Fitzpatrick in Cleveland right now, on any given week, they could drop 40-plus points. Absolutely. But they can also look like the way they did. Like I still, Baker was a problem Sunday, but let's stop acting like he was the only problem. That offensive line, it was a snowball effect. But Baker set the tone with that stupid interception, idiot. God, he ticks me off. I defended him a lot. I defended him an awful lot. And I, I, look, I look so stupid right now for many reasons. Go to my hair. You know, I haven't shaved the glasses. You know, I look really... But Baker Mayfield has really taken someone who looks as stupid as I do and made me look stupider. It's really frustrating. Now, when he comes out, lights it up on Sunday. You best believe back on Monday. He's back, baby. I'm going to be like the biggest Texas and Michigan fan in the world. He's back. All right. Uh, Top five, bottom five. Kevin, I will give you our top five, bottom five NFL teams coming up around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. One suggestion coming. Uh, we're good, again, we're live on Facebook. Listen, stream, and now watch. Kyle McGuire on Facebook says the Browns should trade for Dwayne Haskins and try to get Matt Ryan. Have Haskins learn behind Matty Ice. Folks, I know he's a Buckeye, but we got to stop. Haskins isn't good. He's not pro good. Not, I mean, a lot has to go right for his development moving forward. Kevin and I were talking about this during the break. You, as a rookie, it's very important that you end up in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. because there are no examples. I shouldn't say no. There are not a lot of examples, not many at all, that a quarterback who is amazingly good in college gets drafted to a bad team, that team ruins him, and then a good team finds him and turns him into something. The closest thing we could think of was... Uh, dang, I just drew a blank. <laughs> we just had it on. Uh, I should have wrote it down. Ryan Tannehill. 
Yeah, yeah. But was Adam Hanhold, Gates down was in Hanhold Miami. Was dominant in college? No, he was never dominant in college. I so mean, that's he was not, a, that won't he, work, he was a wide receiver his first two years at Texas A&M, and then a quarterback his last year uh, got drafted in the first round by the Dolphins. Shout out to your guy, Adam Gates, who's doing great things with the New York Giants currently. Uh, he bombed Jets. out there and signed to be a backup with Tennessee. And then once... Mariota flamed out. They put him in there. He played good last year, and right now he is balling. See, but Tanhill, then I, he's not a good example then, because I guess I meant like someone like Haskins who was elite in college, yeah, goes to NFL and just looks night and day different. Like so, you were saying, you know, oh, maybe if he goes to Pittsburgh, I would trust that Pittsburgh could maybe kind of resurrect his career, could maybe fix some flaws. Uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith uh, yeah. is one. Steve Young, Charles Tackett. Because Alex Smith basically was trash all the way through his career with the 49ers. And once they built up the team around him, they got good uh, hardball uh, that year, that first year. And then that second year, he got pulled and they put Kaepernick in. And then that's when they super exploded. So yeah. he was never like great with 49ers, but he wasn't never horrible. Like, he got real good with Casey. Got real good. But he wasn't terrible. Because, I mean, it wasn't like they tried to replace him. They drafted Kaepernick, and Kaepernick was good enough to replace him. He says Steve Young was a mess in Tampa Bay. Yeah. So that, that's probably as close to a good example as I could think of in regards to elite in college. Flamed out his first team he was drafted to and then resurrected his career. So, no, that is. That's a great example. It's the There's not many. So that's why it's important when you go to a team. I mean, like, that's why as much as I bash Eli Manning and stuff, I mean, it is very important that you do go to a good organization because how many good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks in college, flame out in the pros? Now, maybe it's not fair to blame the organization. A lot of it has to do with style of play. A lot of it has to, you know, maybe you just fit the, the you know, no one ruined Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow wasn't ruined. Right. Tim Tebow just wasn't a good pro quarterback. Right. But I look at Dwayne Haskins and his strengths in college. I look at Cardell Jones, small sample size, but his what he did in college using some Buckeyes. It just you would think that some of that would translate well over to the pros, and it doesn't. And it's not because they go to bad situations like Washington. Oh, Dwayne Haskins. Like I, I read, the, I, I saw all the the Buckeye blogger boys out there, you know, with their their little blog websites talking about. Oh, Dwayne, you know, if only he would have gone to a better organization. I don't think Dwayne Haskins was going to be good anywhere. Dwayne, ha- like you know what I mean? Like I, it's no offense. So if he goes to Pittsburgh, maybe there's a shot that right. they could end up kind of resurrecting his career. But what does that even mean? It just means they'll getting him back on his feet to maybe look serviceable as far as that's concerned. Maybe I just don't a- anticipate uh, that happening. Um, at David Shaw says Alex Smith flamed out with 49ers, then led Chiefs to the playoffs. Yeah, but um, Alex Smith, I'm going to be honest here. I know how dominant was he in college? Really, really good in college. Undefeated. Senior, yeah, senior. but like when like watching him play, was it the same type of thing as watching Dwayne Haskins play, watching Cardale Jones play, he was, watching Tua, he watching was, Trevor Lawrence? He was Tim Tebow. I'm not mocking it. I'm just asking. He was like, Tim Tebow with an arm. Granted, it was Utah, and the competition level wasn't the same as the SEC. But the I don't way care, Herb but, was running that offense, he was the superstar. I mean, uh, he was the first pick in the NFL draft. Plunkett Heisman winner. Look, I, with all due respect, Charles, and I appreciate that. I. I don't really care about like winning the Heisman because Tebow is a prime example of a guy who's won an award. Like that award doesn't always guarantee you success in the pros. You look at Johnny Manziel. You look at you know obviously Baker Mayfield. <laughs> all right, you know that doesn't automatically make you you know mean you're going to be good uh, in the pros. I guess I just mean like no one ever like was dominant in college. You know, 
flamed out with the first team that they're drafted to, then they get released and go somewhere else, and then they're just as dominant in the pros as they were in college because they're in the right situation. Steve Young's the only, that's the best example so far. Alex Smith, I get, I mean, I don't know. I guess when you watched him, did you get the same feeling in your stomach that you do watching like a Trevor Lawrence or like one, you know, a Dwayne Haskins mm. or one of those guys, I guess? I'm not downplaying what he accomplished. I know it was really good. To be um, honest, man, it was such a long time ago. That's why I'm asking. Like, <laughs> like uh, it was a very long time ago. And the, I mean, I'll get nerdy for a real quick second here on Dwayne Favre, Haskins. Brett Favre? Brett Favre. Hey. Drafted to the Falcons? But he was just a backup. He didn't flame out. He was just a backup, and he was traded as a But if he was legit, in. he would not have been a backup. Ron, I'm gonna give you that. Ron, I, Ron, you've had a couple good ones today. I know I, I, you know, we butt heads a lot, but I'm gonna get. I'll give him that one. He was a backup at Atlanta. And he was a backup with Green Bay until uh, Don Mikowski got hurt. Like I don't think anybody ever thought like, oh man, Brett Favre is about to be a, be the man. He went to there, but Ron's still a good one. Uh, but you're right though, because for my comparison, it was. Dominant in college, for sure you're going to be drafted high. For sure you're going to go in to have success, and that's obviously not the case with Dwayne Haskins. I'll get nerdy with Ohio State and Dwayne Haskins and Cardell for that matter. Um, a lot of the things that Cardell and Dwayne do well is the long ball, right? They throw outside the numbers. In the NFL, the outside the number throws aren't there like they are in college football because you have superior athletes on the outside. In the NFL, you are forced to read the coverage, so you're forced to throw the ball inside where traffic is. That's why when we were watching that Browns and Washington football game, it seems like he threw it directly to the linebacker. Yeah, we can see it because we have the all-22 coverage of the TV and everything like that. Well, how come he couldn't see it? And same thing about Baker, like he threw the interception to Mika. Well, how come he didn't see him? He's right there. Well, he's not seeing what you're seeing because he's looking at outside coverage. He's, and then when you come back in, that's where all the hectic stuff happens. That's where all the interceptions happen inside the numbers. And Ohio State's offense is designed for quarterbacks to succeed because they have superior weapons and they throw outside the numbers. Dwayne Haskins rarely threw inside the numbers at Ohio State. And he was a one-year starting quarterback at Ohio State, something that I would always steer away from. Uh, Sanchez, another one-year starting quarterback at college. You know, it's something about getting those reps. It's something about seeing a ton of different defenses that would make me feel more comfortable if I was drafting a quarterback. As far as Dwayne, it's not looking good for him with Washington. They're under a new management, not only changing over the coach, but they changed over the GM. They're changing over the, the mascot and everything like that. They didn't draft him. He's not their guy. So losing him isn't going to look bad. We talked about this with Baker. Like, yo, the guys in charge of the Browns, they didn't draft him. So losing him, it's not going to look that bad on them because, hey, man, he wasn't our guy. He He's another GM's guy. Now, everything that's going on with the Giants, their GM is still in place. If they were to go off of Danny Dimes, that's going to look bad on him. He had to make the mix. So, Baker, uh, Dwayne, if they leave, people aren't going to say anything about it. They're going to be like, oh, man, it just didn't work out. On to the next. Uh, Doug Sphere, I, I think I pronounced your name right. Sorry, it says, uh, message just now in the uh, breeze in San Diego mm. in New Orleans. Uh, to be fair, and Doug, another very good one. That's a good That's one. More, but th- isn't that injury yeah, related, but, right? But I, I, w- I would buy that one. I would buy that one for sure. I mean, uh, Drew Brees, as much as you know, I talk about him being over the hill now, when he was playing quarterback at Purdue, 
<laughs> he was putting up like the passing numbers that are being put up at you know the Texas Techs and the Mississippi States now. He was doing that in the uh, late nineties, two thousands at Purdue. Got drafted in the second round to the San Diego Chargers. They drafted Ladanian first. He came in there. They were a solid team. He got hurt. He was initially going to go to Miami. They passed up on him because he failed the physical. He ends up in New Orleans, ends up becoming an MVP of the league, MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, he was a pretty good quarterback at the Chargers, but nothing spectacular because obviously they drafted Phillip Rivers. They planned on drafting Phillip Rivers. They hit hit their head on the ceiling. They think that thought they needed a bigger and better quarterback. And, you know, Drew is still playing in the NFL. Uh, Brian Baum, I believe. Brian Baum, either he says Drew Brees started in San So another uh, Drew Brees, a couple Drew Brees. Yeah, I'm with that uh, one. That's as far one. as that goes. So that's a good one. That's similar. So the point is, is when people say, hey, go out and get uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, he'll, he'll do better there. Uh, sometimes you are who you are. More times than not, you are who you are in the pros. Whether it is on the team, it could be a developmental issue because of where you end up and the team's not good and they're not coaching you up. That could be an issue too. Um, but sometimes you just don't see the bounce back. Like, that's why it's so crucial. As much as I bash guys who try to throw their weight around coming into the league and say, I will not play if we go there, I'm very surprised it doesn't happen more. And when you look at guys like Daniel Jones and you look at guys like Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, people, there, there's no sympathy for Baker. If Baker was more likable, we would just tack Baker's struggles up to, well, look, it's Cleveland. But he's not going to get that benefit of the doubt because unlike Dwayne Haskins, he had no talent around him. Unlike or unlike Dwayne Haskins, who had no talent around him. Daniel Jones, who has no talent around him. All these quarterbacks were, you know, Sam Darnold, no talent around him. Baker got treated the best. Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield got treated the best of everyone from that draft class. Like, as far as talent around them. You had one organization, the Ravens, who's just a good organization, that invested completely into Lamar. Um, who literally changed their entire... I mean, give Harbaugh credit, because most coaches, they, they coach one way and one way only. He totally changed his whole approach to coaching to fit around Lamar Jackson. And I find that very, you know, good for him. Because Joe Flacco, it's night and day different, uh, you know, as far as the style of offenses mm -hmm. that him and, and, and Lamar run. So I, I give them a lot of credit. Doug uh, says, uh, Johnny Unitas was drafted by the Steelers and Art Rooney cut him. Uh, the rest is history. Really? Didn't know that. So uh, thank you for that one. Uh, Brian Schwederman says, uh, Flacco flamed out but made the playoffs for the Sentinels. He has my heart. <laughs> he, he has heart. He has heart, he said. Uh, so, you know, it, it's a, my thing is this. Who just said this to about, I got to go back up. Tebow, he talked about Tebow had more playoff wins than Dalton. When I talked about Tibor, oh, which, thanks. by the way, you want to know what's going to happen? He beat my Steelers, man. That was a. I remember that game vividly. I do too. <laughs> I mean, the ugliest throw, but man, he was making it was the a throw. dime. He they threw a dime that day. You know you that. You know what's going to happen, Bengals fans? You can cue the music because we're oh. going to come back and do our top five, bottom five, five for real this time. You know what's going to happen? Jason Pruitt says, "Look, uh, Tebow has more playoff wins than Dalton." We all know that that was the Dalton storyline in Cincinnati. Made the playoffs five straight years, couldn't get a win. You know what's going to happen? The Cowboys are going to make the playoffs and win the division with like five wins this year. And all of a sudden, Dallas is going to click in the playoffs, and Andy Dalton will get a win in the playoffs this year. And I can think of no bigger slap to the face of the Bengals than Andy Dalton on a team that is ten times worse than anything he played with in Cincinnati. Somehow finding a way to win their division, host a playoff game, and get a win. 
And it would just be so Bengals-like for Andy Dalton to leave, to go to an even worse team, not organization, because the Bengals, it doesn't get much worse than the organization for Cincinnati, to go to a worse team in Dallas and end up winning a playoff game. It's so unlikely. Dallas is straight garbage, but my goodness, can you imagine? What would Andy Dalton do if he was the quarterback of the Browns right now? It pains me to say this, but... Red Rifle coming to town. I, I would pick, if I had to, I would take Andy Dalton over Keenum any day of the week. What about over? Which ultimately means I'm saying, at this point, if we believe that Keenum is, you know, the savior to Baker, I'm ultimately saying at this point with this offense, if Baker looks like that again, Dalton might have this team looking better. Now, it's tough to say that after the way Dalton, or Dalton looked last night. But again, very similar to the Baker thing from this past weekend. Everyone was down and out last night for Dallas. Everyone was down and out for Cleveland against Pittsburgh. Shouts out to the fumbler. That's his new nickname, Zeke. He's the fumbler now. Shouldn't have paid him. <laughs> I, st- I, t- I, t- I said it back then. The Cowboys are the dumbest team in the NFL for giving that dude his money. He, he has issues on and off the field. Not the biggest issues for some of the people with off the issue off the field issues, but I'm telling you right now, they should have never given him that money. Remember he got arrested in Las Vegas? Yeah. My little cousin saw him get arrested that night. She was at that concert he was at. She was like, I think I just saw that one dude with the hair that went to Ohio State. I was like, Huh? Running back guy. I was like, Ezekiel? It's like, yeah, him. He's getting arrested right now. Yeah, yeah. David Shaw says, I agree with that. Dalton would be better than Keenum, but Keenum is better than Baker. I don't believe Keenum's better than Baker. I think Keenum would turn the ball over less, which you can argue would ultimately make him better. But I, I, I'm telling you right now, Dalton, or that Keenum is not, he's not anything special. Like, the Browns will not look anything different with Keenum running this offense than Baker. Just wouldn't. The Browns will make the playoffs this year. They'll make it with Baker Mayfield, but they will not advance in the playoffs. They will not win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. But they will make the playoffs at Baker Mayfield. You know why? Because they don't have to play the Steelers again until week 16 or 17. So 17, there you go. Yeah. Thank God for that. When they play the Ravens again. <laughs> Top five, bottom five next. <laughs> All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We close out the show today. NFL top five, bottom five. Kev, get us started. Your Browns. Bengals. That's the wrong, That's thing, the wrong isn't one. It? Isn't it? Come on, Baker. You've got to be better than that. You, no, we don't. You, you screwed uh, it up, Baker. From the top. Pick six right there. <laughs> Make a Fitzpatrick. Yeah, hit, hit the record button. Let, let's hit the record button and let, let's record this. Let's, man, you are you are bakering it up today. Oh, oh my goodness. Then you must love me. <laughs> no. We, do we got a case Keenum anywhere? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join us on the conversation. It's time for our top five, bottom five. Kev Nash, get us started after six weeks of NFL action. Your top five teams in the NFL are who? My Pittsburgh Steelers have made their way to my top five with a tremendous victory over your Cleveland Browns. Uh, number four, you know I don't overreact to losses, but they almost fell out my top five, but they're still in there. Green Bay falls from number one to number four. Staying steady at number three, the Seattle Seahawks. Number two, Tennessee Titans. What a tremendous victory. Going to be a great matchup this weekend with Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Definitely can't wait for that. Actually, whoever wins that matchup this week is going to be my new number one team in the NFL, by the way. And the champs back at number one. 
So that's simple. So Kevin Nash's top five right now, as we said, the Kansas City Chiefs at number one, deservedly so. The Titans come in at number two, Seahawks three, Packers four, and Steelers five. I'll give you my top five. My top five features, the Kansas City Chiefs coming in at number one. The only team on the top five for you or me that actually has a big win on the year, a win of substance, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fair. I have to put them at number two. And I'm not doing that just because yesterday was Ron's birthday. We did miss Ron's birthday yesterday. Shout out to Ron. Hey. Bucks fan, Ron. Rays fan, Ron. It's a good time to be Ron, apparently. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, but the, the Buccaneers, I have to put it number two because it's not just that they beat the Packers. They like, I had the Packers in my top five for weeks now, mm-hmm. and they destroyed them. So I have to put Tampa Bay, you know, at number two. I was waiting because Tampa just looked, they looked a little eh. They looked a little iffy. They lost to the Saints early in the year. Or, you know, what's that? Eh. What's the four? four. Oh, so they didn't know what down it is. Yeah, I'm penalizing. So, no. But, so, as far as that goes. But, no, I, I have to go um, with Tampa number two. Pittsburgh's number three. Uh, that that defense. I have to put, um, I have to put, you know, Pittsburgh in at number three. Seattle putting at number four, five and oh. I, I am always amazed by this, is that the Seattle Seahawks, that, that Russell Wilson, this is the worst roster in Seattle he's ever played on. This is the worst roster in their 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history. The worst roster he's ever played on, but yet they're 5-0. and I don't think this is the best team he's ever played on, worst roster he's ever played on, but they're clicking in all cylinders right now. Russell Wilson playing an MVP-like level. Uh, by week this past week, we'll get a chance to see him in action coming up this weekend. And at number five, I had a rule against putting this team in my top five, but I couldn't. They, they got two wins in four days. They looked really good. Dude. They beat the they beat the Bills, um, you know, and then, of course, they had to fight off a good team, you know, an ad team, but, you know, they got the win. Yeah, it was they, outstanding they game. So I should punish Tennessee for taking <laughs> overtime to beat uh, a bad Texans team, but uh, I'm going to give them the benefit for the doubt, especially when you have to play two games in five days or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about, oh man, they play Monday Night Football, it's a short week. You still get five or six full days to prepare for a game. They played Tuesday, which was their fault, by the way, but they played Tuesday, by the way, regardless of whose fault it was, and then they turn around, they have three days or four days to prepare, and then they're right back at it again. I got to put Titans in my top five. But the only team that has a win of substance right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Schrode, he does say that the Titans smoked the Bills. I'm not just saying this because it's the Titans. I don't know how good the Bills are now. Not, I mean, that may be unfair, but I think a lot of people now are scratching their head with the Bills. Like, okay, the two realest teams they've played, they got punched in the mouth now. So it's like, okay, are they just like the Browns and some of these other teams? But that they beat the Rams. Good? I don't know how good the Rams are either. I'm not like anti-Rams, but that division I just look at and I'm like, it's the most consistent from top to bottom. Everyone's over 500. They've outscored that whole division has outscored all their opponents by like 186. Mm-hmm. I just I'm not putting money. I'll never bet on the Rams on a week to week basis. I just can't. I don't know why. I, I they they make me a little weary. Um, Tyler says, yeah, but they weren't saying that before that game. Okay, and that's why they. That's why, you know, it would have been impressive before that game, but now it's not impressive. The Bills have lost back-to-back. Shorty, if the, the, if the Bills ended up, ended up, if they did not end up losing back-to-back weeks, I'd be with you. But uh, they've lost back-to-back games against two good teams, and they didn't look good in either one of them. It's not like they lost close. It's kind of like Cleveland. I'm wearing on, uh, you know, they didn't lose. I don't care that they lost to Pittsburgh. It's the way they lost to Pittsburgh. Um, so that's where I'm at as far as that goes. Um, but, yeah. All right, so that was both of our top fives. One more time, Kev Nash's top five, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Seahawks, Packers, and Steelers. My top five, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Steelers, Seahawks, 
and Titans uh, as far as that's concerned. All right, Kev, your bottom five teams, your worst five teams in the NFL. Ooh-wee. All right. Holding strong at 32, the New York football Jets. Getting closer to the New York football Jets, the Washington football team at 31. 30, Jacksonville Jaguars. Since they got a win, they move up, down. I don't even know how it works. But the New York football Giants, since they got a win over the Washington football team. NFC Lease is represented very well in this bottom five, as you can see. Um, You know, I really, I really want to make a switch, but I won't. I'll keep it this way. I'll keep the Vikings at 28 because... Oh, man, Kirk Cousins. You said you saw the tweet, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, when he was out here slanging interceptions, as usual, I just had to put it out there. So that is the only reason I'm going to keep the Vikings at 28, because I almost flipped it and put the Cowboys at 28. But I'll keep Minnesota at 28. All right, so one more time, Kev Nash's bottom five, 32. Again, 32 teams in the NFL. The worst team in the NFL, according to Kev, the New York Jets. 31, Washington, the Washington football team, the Jaguars come in at number 30, number 29, the Giants, and number 28, the Vikings. All right, you ready for my bottom five? Yes, sir. The Kenner bottom five, the Jets, and number 32. <laughs> the NFC East stays put. The NFC East is the worst, is the second to worst entire team. I'm fair. putting them all in as one. Uh, hey, you know what? Last week I ragged on you, but you know what? It's fair. They all equally suck. Yes. You're... And to be fair, though, I think the Eagles are starting to yeah. figure out a yeah. tad. Yeah. So by next week, I might be able to pull the Eagles out of that and then just, like, you know, disperse all the other teams. Yeah, because that dude that I can't pronounce his name that keeps just catching all these bombs. Oh, uh, I had it yesterday. <laughs> I'm not even trying Whatever to Whatever his know. name is. <laughs> Out of uh, Old Dominion, I believe, he went to school. Yeah, I like him. So the Falcons, I still have, even though they got their win, I still have them coming in at number 30. Mm. Jaguars look straight garbage. Mm. And I still have Cincinnati at number 28. <laughs> That's not a good team. They're, these are all bad teams. No, Shaw, Carson Wentz, we know who Carson Wentz is. We're not talking about Carson We're talking about the, the tight end or whoever. Not, no, Ertz is out, by the way. He's yeah, out. Ertz. Uh, the wide receiver Ertz, for... The wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, the wide receiver for Philadelphia. We were talking about it yesterday. But So, I got a question for you. You got the... I penalize the Vikings and the Cowboys more than I penalize the Bengals because they have a ton of talent. A ton of talent. Not a couple guys like the Bengals do, but they have a ton of talent. And not only talent but they got big time names they got guys with big time contracts i penalize those teams more for losing games than i do the Bengals. that's why the Bengals aren't in my bottom five you have atkins and dunlap you have aj green you have tyler boyd you have joe mixon you have t higgins you have joe burrow you have the Bengals have a lot of talent the coaching staff is choosing not to use Geno Atkins or Dunlap on a roster that is already very bad defensively, and they are like, I have no clue what the thought process is there. Um, the offensive line, the team, again, I, I know people are getting tired of hearing the same thing every day. The bottom line is everyone knows my opinion on the team didn't address a lot of the biggest needs that this team had. And, yes, I know injuries have played a role, but, again, when you strip all those things away, this is what's left. And, and I penalize, I think it's worse to lose. I mean, of all those teams, by the way, imagine if – Minshew had A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd uh, and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. The Jaguars wouldn't be where they're at right now. Uh, Matt Ryan, who, by the way, 
you know, if he he has Julio Jones, mm-hmm. and he's been injured Calvin for most Ridley. of the season. So, but he's in a similar spot too, where he's losing with talent. But the Falcons are bad all the way around too. That organization, they, they've just they have not been the same since that Super Bowl. But the NFC East, you know, Cowboys have a lot of talent. They're injured. The Eagles. You know, hit by injuries, the the Giants, same thing. But the Jets. Imagine if, if Sam Darnold is sitting there saying, "Man, please, I, I'm I'm begging you." Travis Fulgrim, by the way, thanks, Sean. There you go. Uh, Sam Darnold would kill to play with AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and Joe Mixon. He but would kill for that. But look what look what Minnesota has. I mean, we can talk about how trash Kirk Cousins is. I think he's trash. Some people think he's great. Uh, they have Kirk Cousins, who's a big time uh, paid quarterback. They got Dalvin Cook. They just drafted. Uh, Justin Jefferson out of the Champions LSU. They signed uh, Thielen to a big contract. Like they got a ton of guys. They got a ton of guys that people are household names. We know these names like with Cincinnati, like Tyler Boyd, because we live here. He's not a household name, but Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are all household names. Uh, Eric Kendricks, like he's a big time paid linebacker. Like they're not winning games by paying tons of money. And these guys are household names, so I penalized them. I don't think all those guys are household names. And by the way, I don't think a lot of number two wide receivers are household names. Juju Smith-Schuster is the best number two receiver, and that's just because his name's cool. Like, you know, (laughs) like that's a name you don't forget, but like Boyd? I mean, Boyd got paid handsomely. I mean, the Bengals paid him good. Like they, they, much as they didn't pay Thielen. Uh, Thielen got paid out the wazoo. Well, I mean, we're not going to get into a who paid more contest with the Bengals. I mean, we're lucky that they even <laughs> opened up their wallet to begin with now. Hey, by the way, uh, Shorty says, wait, so now A.J. Green is a talent, but the last couple weeks it's been that he's washed. He is washed, and he is a talent. The bottom line is, is that's why the Bengals are in the bottom five. A.J. Green is talent, but he's not playing well enough. There's all this talent that's not playing well enough. That's on the organization. It's on Zach Taylor. It's on the Bengals. That's why they're in my bottom five. They have talent. Joe Burrow has talent. Stop making excuses for a guy that has talent around him. Stop. That's dumb. Daniel Jones has no talent around him. Sam Darnold has no talent around him. <laughs> Joe Burrow has talent. Stop. The Cowboys. Huh? Cowboys got a ton of talent. Yeah. And the offense wasn't why they were losing, though. Oh, it is now. <laughs> they had the number one offense in the NFL from a stat perspective. Shots out to the fumbler. Zeke. Yep. And the red rifle. <laughs> a little pellet gun now. Yeah, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Hey, Zeke. Imagine if Baker had that much talent. Oh, wait. Okay, Schrody. <laughs> Listen, like, are we going to keep the... I mean, Kenner's already admitted that I, I'm, you know, I'm 90% wrong. I'll be 100% wrong by the end of the year if, you know... Oh, you're wrapping me up. Yeah, you're lucky, too, because I have so much more to say. I have so much more to say. Hey, I want to be fair here real quick. Uh, Vincent uh, Waller, thank you for the – so we give our top five, bottom five. Vincent Waller says his top ten – or his top one, uh, Kansas City – or his top five, sorry. Uh, Kansas City one, Pittsburgh two, Seattle three, Tampa Bay four, Tennessee coming in at number five. So, nice. Vincent, that's nice. Uh, his bottom five, Dallas comes in, uh, Philadelphia, Washington, Falcons, and Jets. <laughs> So, very similar to mine. That's why I just said, you know what? This is dumb because the NFC East is going to take up our bottom five the entire time. So, you know, that's basically where I'm at with that. So, hey, Vince, thank you. Uh, So, yeah, interesting nonetheless as far as as that's concerned. All right, folks, we'll be back uh, tomorrow from 3 to 6. Thank you for tuning in. Had some fun today. Made a lot of enemies, and that's okay. (laughs) I thought Bengals fans knew their team was bad. I feel like I'm, like, breaking secrets to them every day. Like, I thought they knew their team was bad. But they are the king of, well, we almost, we almost won. We almost got the interception. We almost had an offensive line. We 
Aye, aye, aye. We almost got to break on time. We'll be back tomorrow, folks. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio.